a week that wasn't so good for movie fans or certainly for Marvel Studios, the only thing we can really end up saying is no matter what you do, you can't save yourself from John Wick. Welcome to episode 320 of the Fake Nerd Podcast. I am Sparks Witty. I am joined, of course, by Ryan Eliopoulos. Yeah, I'm also here. Uh, by the newly minted and engaged Ben Magnet. That was me. That's me. <laughs> And of totally course, stole my thing. <laughs> and of course, the board himself, Brandon T. McClure. Oh, I thought you called me bored, not the board. And I was like, I'm not bored yet. Yet. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I'm a Google factory today. Um, hi, guys. Hey. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, <laughs> did you have more? Uh, I mean, you know, it's a week of highs and a week of lows. I'll say we're in for a, we're in for a week. Uh, real quickly, though, as Grayson is in the chat already, it says uh, on Jesus on mobile right now. Congrats, Ben. Yes. Congratulations to our very own Ben Magnet on his engagement. We are so happy for you. We love you. Congratulations to you and your new fiance. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Now, Almost and- seven years of podcasting. It's finally happened. Yeah. And he's been in a relationship the entire time we've oh, been yeah. podcasting. I have, yeah. She wow. and I met and started going out in 2014, and eight and a half years, it would have been nine years of us being together come June. Mm-hmm. All right, and so your first kid later. is going to be when you're 48. I hope not. <laughs> At this rate. Well, that's what, that's the point in life where you'll probably be able to afford one. It's so. true. <laughs> true. 100%. That's very true. And this Capitalism. Economy, yeah, sorry. A sorry. baby in this economy. Oh my. Uh, okay. Her baby don't. Can I go on a? Can I go on a, on a on a quick little tangent, real quick? Quick it up. Sure. sure. It's only nine forty. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll be quick. I, I'll be quick. I swear. Um. What? So obviously, I was excited. I was telling people at work that I, what I was doing this weekend, and of course, when I say, "Hey, I'm getting engaged," the first, oh, oh, the most question that I was asked is like, "It's not. Oh, when do you think the wedding is going to be? What? Did it, it's like." Or it's like, oh, where's the wedding going to be? It's, oh, what are you having kids? I'm like, fuck, I know. Bro, that's, guys, like, I'm dude, just waiting for her to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and everyone was like, oh, congratulations, congratulations. I was like, I think that she hasn't said yes yet. Like, chill out. I'm just doing the big thing. And then they're all like, oh, what about babies? I better see baby photos soon. I'm like, you better put 500 million in my bank account soon if you want that to happen. Five hundred wow, million children. If that's what the requirement was, <laughs> wow. uh, what what was funny to me is if you are a fake nerd fan who follows Ben on social media, you might have known that he ramped up to the proposal like it was Thank a God movie event this weekend. And Fanny I'm like, doesn't does have Fanny Twitter. Fanny not have Twitter, and no one yeah. who would tell Fanny has Twitter. Thank God she doesn't ben. have Twitter. Because I was like, damn, Ben, you're not so annoying about this one. <laughs> no. You want to know the best part? She technically does. She just doesn't use it. That's even. I that's, figured. That's even I, I figured you knew better, Twitter, but I was like, "Are is Ben really this confident that nobody who would tell Fanny is on Twitter looking at him?" The best. I, I'll tell about the whole proposal when we get to my week, so I'll I'll say the whole thing. But yeah, it's it's been a week. It's been one, one week. week since you looked at me. It is what it is. All right. Now let's get into some stuff uh, real quickly. I have a big announcement as well. Not to take anything from Ben's thunder. Um, this is a small announcement, a small A, small A announcement. Um, I have a date for Conversation Season 2, and I wanted to share the logo for it. 
a new logo. I have um, I have commissioned a new logo from our from our good friend Mike Matola uh, to usher in the second season. I was never really crazy about the first logo. It, it kind of did what I wanted it to, and I realized I was wrong in what I wanted pretty early on. But I stuck with it, and I think Mike has really captured what I think the logo should have been the whole time. So here it is. I'm pulling it up right now for the video listener, for the video watchers. You'll see it for the audio people. I'm going to post it this week on my socials, on the conversation socials. It's got his own account, so check it out if you want. But here it is. Excuse me. Conversation season two will debut this new logo from Mike Matola, and it will be out. The first episode will be out on April 19th. Nice. That's, that's much better. Psycho Radio. I really like that. Thank you. I do too. I was really happy with it. Good job, Mike. I have to uh, say, Brandon, it took a lot of self-control for me to not, because I have access to the FNP uh, email account. You do, yes. And I was very curious to open it up and get a little sneak peek. I'm like, no, I must not do that. <laughs> like I can't a Christmas do present. The original idea was that I wanted the logo to also be a post. And so I would say, you know, conversation with, and then I would put the person's, the person's logo there. And I re- realized early on that was stupid. Um, but I kind of committed to it until I could think of what a logo could be or where I could go with it. And once I figured it out for season two, because I had a long time to think about what season two was going to be, um, I realized the kind of logo I wanted. And so I t- talked to Mike about it and we brainstormed and he delivered that, which I think is a, a very good logo. Yeah, well, I agree. Grayson also agrees. He says very clean. Thank you, Grayson. Um, so yeah, so uh, the first episode of Conversation Season 2 will be out on April 19th and it will be once again with a friend of the show who was on first season, Karis Lunn. Uh, we talk about her show, Journey Into Fandom. And uh, I think the second season is very good. I'm very happy with how it turned out, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Love it. Awesome. All right, so that's enough of that. So why don't we get into some links before we get into our weeks. Real quickly, let's talk about Fake Nerds Watch. There are two Fake Nerds Watch episodes that went out this week, and that was it for the network. Um, There was The Mandalorian, Season 3, Episodes 1, 2, and 3, all one episode. Uh, You three and Forrest joined us for that. That's, That's right. true. I already forgot about that. I was like, Forrest, what? Our friend Forrest was with us. Yeah. That's how much I'm Mandalorian's in my brain at this moment, y'all. Forgot I did an episode already. Honestly, honestly, very glad Forrest was there. He really changed the conversation to something that was probably more positive than we were going to be otherwise. Really? Um, I we were only still listened... positive, but, but check it out. I've only listened to the beginning of it. Uh, watched the beginning of it because I'm, I'm still only two episodes in. I haven't watched the third episode yet, and I don't want too many spoilers for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, you know, I agree with you guys. It's, you know, it's the Mandalorian. <laughs> well, is it? Because yeah, well, <laughs> I like the Mandalorian. Well, I guess I guess I'll agree with you. It's not it's 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 the Mandalorian. It's lowercase it's not, Mandalorian. It's lowercase Mandalorian. <laughs> lowercase M. Lowercase M. Yeah. Um all right. Uh and then uh Picard episode 5. Had its, had its fake nerds watch myself and cookie once again joined together to do a picard episode episode five uh i'll be honest kind of got me worried not that it wasn't a good episode because it was there was a lot of really great stuff in it and i go into what i liked about it but more so that it really slowed the momentum of the show of the showdown and i got worried that like halfway through the season you're going to slow it down this much mm-hmm. not sure i'm crazy about this luckily episode six really picked it up well that's good 
Um, so yes, uh, those can be found. Episode six, by the way, is recorded and will be up soon. Uh, but my discussion with episode five is in the description below. And that's that's uh, that's that for the network. So for those two fake nerds, watch episodes are available also in audio for our audio listeners. Um, and now let's talk about Ben again. Um, because once again, you got the trifecta of the Grayson Live videos and oh, yeah. D Dark. Yes, yes. Well, D and Dark this week is actually a little bit different because I wasn't on this episode of D and Dark. Oh, no, so I much better. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I quit. I, I'm, I'm going to go cry now. I, I'm just going to go cry in my pillows. Bye. Um, yeah, so this episode was the second, was the other half of the team going into the dream realm and helping Larry with their curse. So myself and Daniel Cruz, who plays Imhotep the Mummy, we weren't there, but everyone else was. Grayson was there. And um, one of them, they both of them got some, some, two people in our party got some guns. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> and just the way Dan, our dungeon master, described it, I'm just like, oh, oh, this is gonna be, oh my god, what? And we got, they told us about it, like when we when we met up again, but we didn't tell anyone what happened. Someone let slip that one of them had a gun, and I was trying to fight. Like, let me, I want to roll perception to see if I know this is gun. Like they told us above table, not on table. So, I um, I I. I there was something in this week's episode. I was very grateful that I was at work alone this week because there was something in this episode that really just tickled me. And I was like solid two minutes just laughing at it. And I don't quite remember what that was, but it was very funny. I can attest to that real quick because I'm caught up on it. That's part of my week. I listened to 10 episodes this week because I, I, I work. I work. Uh, uh, and I also started laughing in the middle of just, and, and I'm like, is anyone around me? Because I just started giggling for no reason. Yeah, uh, in my ear. Uh, it was a good episode. Yeah. I have a, I have a guess. Is it the part where Maleva is talking and then the Invisible Man just, and then Phantom goes, "Hey, Mo, we have an Invisible Man right behind you," and Jack just goes, "Hi," and Maleva goes, oh, "Jesus." Uh, yeah, that yeah. was pretty funny. Yes, that was one of them. Yeah, one of them. Um, okay. Okay. So, uh, and you also have your Grace and Lies, or you continue to go through Mega Man X? Yes, we're going through uh, Mega Man X4. The la- the latest episode we were on is I'm fighting Colonel, who is a bitch of a boss, because um, inside baseball, that took us a good half an hour for us to record the whole thing, because I kept dying. It happens. It happens. It happens. Yeah, especially when you don't have a cheat code. <laughs> all right. So that's all the links you can find in the description below. Check them out, please. We love them. Um, and uh, who wants to go first of the week? Wait, Ben, is that wake-up juice? Yes. Ben, it's 10 o'clock. I know. <laughs> you mad dog. I am. <laughs> uh, ben, I why don't you go week. first of the week? Why, if I go first? Yeah, because, yeah. you know, you got you got your thing. Yeah, uh, this, well, sir, let's start off the most stressful week of my life. Uh, media-wise, I've only really consumed, like, two things. I saw Mandalorian on Wednesday, and I watched John Wick Chapter 4 today. Yep. Oh, <laughs> and I watched, and I ca- caught up on John Wick yet last night. Right, because but you hadn't was, seen you hadn't seen chapter three. Yeah, I haven't seen yet. chapter three. I have. Yeah. Now I'm like, cool, I know whatever how what everything I know stuff. Um yeah, other than that, I was just sweating bullets because I kept this whole thing a secret from Fanny, my now fiance. I hope so. And um just like everything was going against me. Mother Nature was going against me because originally the plan was to do it up in Sequoia, then that plan changed, another plan changed. And I was also trying to keep in contact with her family, with her friends, and make sure we all, everyone knew where to meet for her because we had like a little celebratory luncheon. And thankfully, everything worked out. I proposed to her at the Los Angeles County Arboretum Botanical Gardens over in Arcadia. 
Um, she claims to have absolutely no idea. And the hardest part of that was just to get her to turn around because I didn't want her to see me go down one knee. And I said, hey, like, look over there. And she was like, what? What do you want me to look at? She turns around, <laughs> sees me on the knee with the ring op- with the ring. And she just goes, oh, my God. And she just instantly starts crying. She was crying for a good 45 minutes to an hour after she said yes. Love it. And it was just the day itself. I mean, it was it was awesome. It was beautiful, to be honest. I don't know exactly what I said. Um, I've sent the video of me actually asking her to marry me to some of my friends and family. And some of them have heard because I, I want to do some form of Lord of the Rings joke because it's me. And... And some of my friends even said, like, is that Lord of the Rings joke you threw in there? I was like, yeah, I kind of rewrote the poem a little bit of the, the One Ring. But yeah, I got engaged this weekend, so hooray. Congratulations, sir. We're very happy for you. Yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of people have been uh, commenting and saying about bleeding time, so. Um, I'll put this on record. I already called you and told you about this, but Cookie, uh, I recorded with him earlier today. Cookie sends his congrats as well. Thank you. Thank you. And Mag is also in the chat saying, congrats, dude. Thank you so much. Uh, Pretty much my phone's been exploding with uh, friends and family because obviously I posted stuff on this. I posted stuff on social media and friends and family have been like, oh my God, congratulations. Oh, oh, that's so happy for you. And and even some of my friends were calling, two of them called me yesterday and they're like, what? (laughs) Did you do it? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I did did it. All right. Well, um, Anything else? Other than the biggest life-changing moment of your life? Um, I beat okay. Sonic the Hedgehog 1 in Sonic Origins today. That's cool. Does that, ca- does that count? The first time I ever beat the original game, so woohoo. There you go. That's important. Being a big Sonic fan, yeah. Yeah. We didn't put, we didn't put Sonic Origins plus in the news, but that's okay. That's uh, That will be uh, for a Basement Arcade. Yeah, yeah. Discussion. You and I will go off on a quarterly. Oh, I didn't even see this. What is... Uh, oh, I'll, they're just, we'll tell you later. Just I'll listen to the quarterly. They're repacking or, uh, repackaging Origins to make people buy it again. Oh. And I'm probably um, going to be hard problem because I want it. Yes, and Ben's going to definitely be part of the problem. Hey, I, last week I said about Skyrim like 10 times. We all yeah, yeah. we all have yeah, our vices. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have three copies of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, listen, we all, we all got our vices. Uh, all right, who wants to go next? I will, uh, because everything I did, I did with Sparks, except for a one thing, which I did today. Uh, I started watching a television show called Yellow Jackets, and I watched two episodes, and thanks to our later start time, I was able to squeeze one more in because I was really jonesing for it, and I'm glad I got that extra one in because, y'all, that show is so effing good. If you, if you, yeah, if you've heard the buzz, Yellow Jackets, get a buzz, buzz. Uh, it's, it's, it's real. It's super good. The closest comparison, not in terms of what the show is about whatsoever, but in terms of how the show is presented, it's like Arrow, where there's two timelines, where it's 1996 and 2021. And in 1996, uh, the varsity high school soccer team, the Yellow Jackets, all these, this, all these girl, this girl team, they win, they win state champions, and they're going to nationals. And they're playing uh, crash lands in the middle of the wilderness, like no one inside for hundreds of miles, right? And they're stranded there, right? Um, and, and it's obviously a slow mystery of like, like how long were there, what happened, but the first episode shows you really extreme shit from the get-go. They're like random people are wearing like like barbarian gear. There's cannibal shit happening. Like it, we don't see who anyone is, but we know it's like we know it's these girls. Uh, and then it flashes forward to when the crash land happens, and then the months that roll on. But in episode three, it's still early on, so it's not bad yet. But 
the character stuff, the character work is what shines in this in the show. Um, Melanie Linsky from uh, Last of Us. Uh, we just saw her in The Last of Us where she played a villain. She's so good in it. Her and her teenage counterpart. Uh, this might be, besides It, because It had this really well, but like in terms of capturing um, young actors and, and older actors, this might be one of the best examples I've seen it of like, not only do they look like them, but they sound like them, they talk like them. Like it's, it's awesome. Um, Jasmine Savoy Brown from Scream. She plays Mindy. Uh, she's in it. There's a bunch. Christina Ricci's in it. This might be my favorite Christina Ricci performance I've ever seen. She is so unhinged and weird uh, and like super like sociopathy. Uh, it's incredible. It is an incredible show. And it is so dark and really funny. Um, like the the modern show, it's kind of just like like a drama, but then like there's this crazy like cannibal story developing over time um, about these teenage girls. Um, it's just it's it's exhilarating and it is so well made and so well shot uh and i am because season two just premiered uh and i do not want to get spoiled because people on the internet like this show and people i am i follow on twitter talk about this mm -hmm. show so i'm not getting spoiled so i'm binging this shit um it's so good it's like i like it so much where i want to i want to take it all in as soon as i can uh because i just want to like i want to hear people talk about it their theories um i know um nicole main's dreamer from the arrowverse joined the second season they're awesome love it cool um, uh i i think it's just it's such a such a good show and one of my favorite things about it so far is um is that it's one of those things where like really weird and and coincidental and almost magical things are kind of happening mm -hmm. but the show is not supernatural or is it and that's the cool thing about it is like there is nothing about the show that says it's supernatural but weird things keep happening almost like like a david lynch thing where it's this like is... it lives in an ethereal other world um, and I'm just like, oh, I'm vibing so hard with the show. And I'm so glad I'm watching it now. This um, is what I've heard about season one is that it it, it, le it really plays with the idea of like, is there a magical thing? Yeah, it's, is there not a magical there's thing? There's like weird, like this, um, like this is like all in the first three episodes. So it's not really big spoiler, but there's like weird, like maybe ghost shit happening, but is it happening in people's brains? Is there people being possessed, but not really? Like it's, it's like, I love it. It's so kooky and well-made. Uh, I'm so thrilled. Um, if I can get to see, I hope I can get season two soon because like there's so many podcasts starting that I want to listen to because right. they're like it's one of those shows where like I want to be part of the conversation. Sure. Uh, so I'm trying to get through that. Uh, is I, this a Showtime show? It is, and I don't have Showtime, so. Our mm. horror. Hey, I have Hulu, but I don't have Showtime. I tried. <laughs> I got to watch the first episode for free because of Hulu. That's sure. good. We have Showtime. No, we don't. But I'll look Showtime at, I'll listen is the FBI guy. Paramount Plus is trying to merge with Showtime, so maybe soon they'll have it. Oh, actually, I think it's also on Paramount Plus, actually. Actually, you know what? It might be. I was just I think watching. season two premiered. I was just watching Picard, and there was an ad for it. We should look into that. Because I, we do have Paramount Plus. So. I love Paramount. Might, that might make me get it. Love the show. Yellow Jackets. Check it out. That's me. Cool. Sparks? Um, I watched more of A League of Their Own. Um, I'm not done with the season, but I'm over halfway. I still, you know, echo what I said last week, which is now is the time to be watching that show, support that show. That show is very good. It has a very strong female-led cast. Um, that's all, you know, just it's, it continues to be a very good show. I very much yeah. like it. Hell yeah. Um, I played more Ragnarok. I killed a dude who I thought I would have killed and it would have been the end of the game and it wasn't. So oh, I know, I know where you are. <laughs> 
That's, yeah, that, that happened to me too. I figured I could be that vague. Um, not that I, I need to be clear only in the sense like, not that I thought at that point when the fight happened that it would be the end of the game because I'm like, there has to be more game past this. But that I thought that killing this person would have been the end of the game yeah. uh, when it came up. And then I'm like, oh, it's just now. It's it's now? Oh, hmm. Anyway, uh, I also watched a couple episodes more of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Ryan and I did that together. We're uh, catching up on what's left of this first season. That show continues to be fantastic, y'all. It's true. Happy work. And we watched all the John Wicks, all nice. of them. Um, rewatched the first three before the fourth one. Those are some. Those are some banger movies. Uh, I was probably a little more positive, just like you said, on the third one than when we first came out of it in theaters. Yeah, um, it's still the weakest, but, but I like, still think it's the the bottom of the barrel. But it's like the bottom of a of a diamond barrel, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, for yeah. sure. That third movie is still better than like most modern action movies i would say like and just in terms of like what's happening in that movie like it's just bananas and then the only other thing i guess i would talk about is um we played marvel united x-men do you want to touch on that at all oh my god y'all this marvel united game is so good um and there's been an x-men x-men expansion um and they got all you got you know got uh got xavier and you got storm and gene gray and cyclops uh we fought the juggernaut he's great because he just runs around in circles beating the shit out of people it's great um yeah that just like there are so many expansions to that game. I was just looking online. I was like, wow, like, like they will, this will bankrupt people. <laughs> this will bankrupt people uh, with the amount of stuff. And it's got such a big fan base, but there's like, um, there's like custom and homebrew stuff that I've read where they're like, people are making like campaigns using all the cards to build like a narrative story thing. And I'm like, man, this game is just so cool. And I love it. Uh, and it's super easy and, and fun to learn, but it, like, it can be difficult still. Like it's a challenge. Uh, it's just, it's great. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of variations that can cause it to be easier or harder than you would think. Um, and I will say, like, I played another round that Ryan was not part of, uh, where one of the players was Wolverine, and um, I want to tell you about this: the starting hand rule. Some characters get a starting hand. For Wolverine, what it is is that he gets a card automatically at the beginning of the game that whenever. Once he decides to play it, it basically means he can never be KO'd. Um, oh. Because it's his regenerative ability. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm. And so they have cards like that that stand in. And, and I was like, oh, well, that's some shit. He also has a thing where like, he like draws a card like every turn for, for, for like, one of his abilities mm -hmm. or something. And I'm like, well, yeah, because he regenerates. That totally makes sense. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. It's a great, great game where like, like just the, the rules are simple enough, but like it's unique enough for every character where it feels like they're, they're doing cool stuff. Love yeah. it. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I look forward to at some point. I'm sure playing it with y'all. Mm -hmm. My turn. That's it. That's it. All right. I did um, other things, but like they're not relevant. Yeah, it's not like I, I like sit at home and do nothing all day. I just I don't need to talk about the 300 YouTube uh, videos. I will I touch on. I will touch on that. A lot of my other time was spent working on preparing the first episode of the real score because we've had delays due to technical stuff. Um, you know, uh, this this first episode is going to come out and be good, but it's going to be good because I had to put a lot of work in in the post because Jeremy's mic was all over the place. And we will do better about that on a future recording um, yeah. because he gets really quiet and then really loud, really quiet, really mm. loud. So I, I this one is taking a lot of work. He also needs headphones. That's another part of it for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm 
confident I can get it out by the end of the week, so it'll still come out in March. So yeah, I'm real score really someday. I'm really excited to to to, to see it, uh, and I think the audience is. I'm really excited for the audience to see it too. I'm really proud of the show. Yeah, that's it. All right, um, my turn. I'll talk about the good stuff, and then I'll talk about the bad stuff. Um, I listened to a bunch of Doctor Who audio. Um, I went through the entirety of Time Lord Victorious. Um, by by the way, when I mean the entirety of Time Lord Victorious, I mean just the audio stuff. Um, and that was a mistake because I think you can really, I think you can puzzle together the whole arc, but you really need to be following the arc through its multimedia stages mm-hmm. uh, to get like the big picture, which I didn't do. Um, now that's not to say none of it was good because actually quite a lot of it was really good. Um, there's a lot of Paul McGann stuff and I love Paul McGann and it's really cool to hear this version of the doctor. Cause I've, I'm still early days, Paul McGann where I'm at with his arcs, uh, with his like journey as the, as the eighth doctor. So I really jumped ahead to like, just before the time war is happening. Um, like the time war is, is, is building and it's gonna, it's, it's gonna happen any day now. And he knows that it's, ha- it's gonna happen. And he really just doesn't want it to. And he really just wants to be left alone. Um, so he's kind of like going through like, um, he's just like, I just want to sightsee. Just leave me alone. Let me sightsee. Um, there's an Ood that he finds named Brian. Do you guys remember the Ood, the tentacle people? Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Brian and he's an assassin. Um, he's a, he's wonderful. I love him. Um, the, uh, he, the eighth doctor meets him and then he becomes a 10th doctor companion. Uh, there's an audiobook where this where, because it's audiobook, it's audio plays, it's comic books, it's all sorts of multimedia. It's an escape room, um, all sorts of multimedia stuff. Uh, and so, like when I got to one of the Tenth Doctor's adventures, it was an audiobook, and the guy who was reading it, I was like, oh, is this guy going to do a David Tennant impersonation, or is he just going to read it? And he does a pitch perfect David Tennant's Doctor impersonation. I thought it was David Tennant for a bit um he was incredible um i was blown away by it anyway um a lot of it has to do with the daleks because it's the time war it's kind of the lead into the time war so the daleks are they've got time ships and they're ready and they're getting ready to like wipe out the 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 time lords they're like you know we're gonna wipe out a bunch of species and then we're gonna go for the time lords Mm -hmm. so there's one episode where and (laughs) There's one where the Eighth Doctor teams up with the Daleks, and then there's one where the Eighth Doctor has to fight the same Daleks. And I definitely there's a story here that's like a book that I did not. You pick up a context clue. It's like reading. It's like reading like a big comic book crossover where you have to read like X Men, X Force, X Factor, and you only read X Men. So you get chapters yeah. two, five, nine. Yeah, yeah. And luckily, you do get context clues. You're not yeah. lost, at, at, yeah. or anyway, you are just missing chunks of the story. Yeah. Um, and, and Paul McGann is really good as always as the doctor. Um, and there's, there's one, there's one where it's actually the fourth doctor shows up. Um, and it's my first time listening to the the fourth doctor. It's really good. It's really funny, but it ends in a really strange way. And I was really confused by its ending. And I was like, that's, that's a weird way to end this. Even if it was, even if the next story was in a comic book or a book, that's a really weird way to end this. So I looked it up. The next story is the damn escape room. Mm. There where you go. had to go to to somewhere in Cardiff to do an escape room with a thirteenth doctor is like fight this Dalek and Big Finish did the prequel to that escape room. 
fun, I suppose. Um, it's, I mean, it's a good episode. It just ends weird. Yeah. Anyway, Time Lord Victoria was Victorious was a lot of fun. I'm definitely going to pick up. I have the comic. I have the Time Lord Victorious comic that I will read. But I'm actually thinking about picking up the books. Um, so I thought they were. I thought they were some really interesting plot lines. I might check them out. Unfortunately, I can't do this. The escape room, but we'll see. Sure. Um, I can definitely read about it online, though. <laughs> I'm sure there's a YouTube video. Yeah, they for just, sure. They just announced another thing. Doomsday. Yeah, which is in the same vein as like this yeah. multimedia experience thing, and, and the internet has been taking it to task <laughs> for like being kind of like, this is this is how we go next step is this performance of uh, a person on a green screen being like i'm the universe's most dangerous assassin and i need the doctor and <laughs> okay yeah luckily big finish is putting out once in future right now and sure. it's uh and all all from what i heard it's good so. once i uh, no i have once in future not that one. Oh man <laughs> um that uh anyways so yeah i really like time Lord victorious there's one that's like an eighth doctor and tenth doctor adventure but it's like the eighth doctor in the past and the tenth doctor in the future of the same kind of adventure and that was that was really cool and that's the that's the only one that david Tennant does he doesn't do any of the other audios this is the only one he does and that was it was cool um all right i also listened to the first war doctor adventure um the time war is something that i'm really intrigued by and i know that for a long time big finish wasn't able to do anything with the time war um because the bbc didn't want them to touch it unless unless the the, the show wasn't going to do anything with it well the 50th anniversary kind of came and went and they that was their that was them doing the time war and so big finish now was big fin what was unlocked for big finish was all the new who doctors and the time war so they were able to do david tennant they do Matt Smith, but I have no, I don't know if actually Matt Smith is doing them. I think I maybe, think I don't think he is either. Um, it, it were, it's a weird, it's a weird spot to look at where like they are doing a lot of stories that take place with the, the still modern era doctors. But once you get to like Matt Smith did a lot of stuff when he was still the doctor. And then for, I think about a year after he was done, and then he hasn't come back. Capaldi has done none. Yes. And, uh, and Jodie Whittaker has also done very few. Yeah. Um, she's done some, but very few. Um, and but David Tennant obviously does a bunch, and um, Love it. yeah, Eccleston has started doing some. We talked about Eccleston coming back a while ago. Um, he started doing some, which is really and he's cool. also loving it, <laughs> yeah, which is nice. It's really nice to hear him actually be excited about Doctor Who, right? Um, so it's really cool that big that big finish was able to do these these stories and they were able to tap into the time war. And I was like, okay, why well, I, I I've been hearing about the Time War ever since I started watching Doctor Who, so I want to listen to what this what this was. Um, I want to hear more about the early days of the Time War. So I was like, okay, well, there's the War Doctor stuff. The, the Eighth Doctor has Time War stuff, but I figure I'll get there eventually. Um, and I wanted to listen to the War Doctor because I'm very critical about the War Doctor. Um, I was not really interested in John Hurt's performance as the war doctor in the 50th anniversary. And I'm still a little critical about the decision to regenerate the eighth doctor into the war doctor, because I felt it would have been more powerful of a, of an episode. If we saw the eighth doctor be the war doctor, like that, that kind of like first of the romantic doctors fall from grace. Um, 
But that said, Big Finish kind of turned me around. Um, I really liked this first episode. It's really well written. John Hurt is great in it. Um, he comes back to do, I think, four or five War Doctor episodes. And this is the first one. He passed away. He couldn't do any more, unfortunately. Um, but he's really good in it. And the episode is about um, just a random battle in the Time War just ends him up on this planet. And he kind of reverts back to his like classic self where he's like, I don't. I, he doesn't call himself the doctor anymore, as you probably remember from the 50th. And he's like, okay, well, and this, this planet is like, hey, we need your help. And he's like, oh, you need my help from the time war. It's like, no, we need your help from genocide. And he's kind of like, well, I mean, the time war's not going anywhere. I could, I could help a bit. And he kind of starts to act like his classic version and even is, is picking up a companion. Like this person kind of becomes his companion. And then even towards the end of it, he's like, you know, he, he's like, this is a, this is, going to be my companion and we're going to go on adventures and but the time war beckons him back and unfortunately has to go back to being the war doctor um and it was really good and really compelling and um, i was i was almost kind of turned around on the war doctor as a concept uh, uh, entirely mm. cool um highly recommend the war doctor stuff honestly it's only four yeah, episodes you, that's also something i want to get to is i but but like not not the same position of feeling uncon un uh, interested in yeah. John Hurt's War Doctor, I always was. So wanting to get more out of it. Yeah, um, and there's the War Doctor begins, but that's not John Hurt. That's a voice alike playing a younger version of him. Right. Um, but yeah, so I'm 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 in, I'm intrigued by that. Um, but that's that's really all I did. I'm out of Doctor Who now, Spark. So I need you to, need you to send me some more. Um, all right, now I'll talk about sixty five. Because I went to see 65. I'm so glad we decided not to make that the movie we reviewed. Uh, I'm kind of not. I wouldn't have minded just being a, just an hour raging against this movie. No, I don't uh, need it in my life. That's fine. Um, I'll rage about it for 10 minutes, I guess. Um, this is horrible. It's honestly one of the worst movies I've, I've ever seen. Um, I, I don't... I'm, it's probably not the worst movie I've ever seen. But and the worst I, memory, recent memory, you could say, maybe. It's definitely the worst in recent memory. And even, like, you guys might fall on different angles of it. But, like, it's not even fun bad. Like, it's just it's just bad and boring. And the... I don't mind. I don't mind. This isn't a spoiler. But, like, the, the, the girl, the little girl, the cub and his lone wolf and cub situation doesn't speak English. And it doesn't make any sense for the plot. That she doesn't speak English. It's just there to create an extra level of drama that doesn't work at all. And you just kind of are left wondering, like, why did the writers decide that she doesn't speak English? Where does she come from? They both come from a planet okay. on the other side of the solar system. Okay. Uh, on the other side of the galaxy. She was on the same ship as him? Yes. She was a she was a on the call she was there was a colony ship that Adam driver is piloting from one planet and freaking freaking the beginning of the movie is like 65 million the text text of this movie 65 million years ago, the earth had a visitor. Yeah. And I'm like, screw you. Because like, I'm telling you, if you want to make a dinosaur horror movie, you can just do that. You can just use dinosaurs. I, I still, I'm sorry that the movie is bad. I still think the premise was a cool idea. Turning retroactively turning prehistoric Earth into aliens from another species perspective, I think, is really cool. 
Yeah, I do too. And you can just use dinosaurs, but they don't. They use weird lizard creatures that some of them resemble dinosaurs. There is something that looks like a raptor, even though it, uh, it doesn't have any feathers. But sure, whatever. You want to take the liberty. But like, we have had theme park monster dinosaurs for decades. And you have this movie where, like, we're going to make a dinosaur movie. We're going to, like, take the reins from Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park doesn't have the, 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 the stranglehold on dinosaur movies anymore. It's our turn. And you don't even use dinosaurs. It's just baffling to me. There's this lizard creature. I was telling Ryan about it before we started recording. There's this, like, lizard creature. This is, like, on its four legs. And it's, like, got its ass up in the air for some reason because its legs, its back legs are way taller. And I'm like, what the hell is this supposed to be? Alien. And it's just alien. It's just alien monsters. And I'm like, I just, there's three dinosaur species, quote unquote, dinosaur species in the movie because it's low budget. And it's bad. It's really bad. I hated it. I was so mad walking out of the, out of the theater. I was so infuriated. I have not made on my letterbox account. I very rarely put, I very rarely put, give a movie one star. And I was, I was, Oh, I did. And this was, this was the time it got one star. This movie broke me. Um, and Zara wanted to see it. And I was like, okay, well, I do want to go see a movie. And I'm sure this could, if this is bad, it could at least be fun bad. And it's not. It's just a dull, yeah. boring movie that makes no sense. It's just bad. bad. Driver's new pool was worth it. Me too. <laughs> he's fine in it. Like he's, he's Adam Driver. He's a good actor. And there's certainly nothing wrong with his performance in it it just i think it did i think that does kill this myth that like adam driver has is selective about what he does because i think that, that until this point well almost. i think but that had been like a public consciousness yeah, yeah. because like everything he'd signed up for at least had been like really strong for him and really fitting like put the star wars sequels aside when he signs up for force awakens it's a really strong move for him yeah um mm -hmm. uh and, and, and so like and then and then outside yeah. of that like all of his movies, people are like, yeah, really good choice for Adam Driver. Like, even sometimes the movie's not a, a critical hit, but, like, they're like, man, Adam Driver, though, in this one. Really, really unique choice does, for him. Blah, yeah, blah, blah, lots, blah, blah, of, blah. lots of smaller movies. And I wonder if this was him trying it out. And then 65 comes around, and it's like, well, yeah. Maybe, maybe cool. he's not so judicious maybe I don't about like the scripts. Blockbusters. <laughs> He's just sitting there going, yeah, you know what? The movie wasn't good, but, hey, at least I got a new pool out of it. That's cool, though. And the, it's not the, like it's also not like he wasn't getting work even last year. Yeah, no. uh, the three movies, three movies yeah. came out last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he is directed by it's directed by the writers of The Quiet Place Part One, and it's directed and written by them. And I just, I was just so baffled by. I'm still, I'm honestly at a loss for words at how bad this movie. I, I, I should, I should reiterate this: how bad I felt this movie was. Sure. um because like again like you want to make a dinosaur horror movie you could just use dinosaurs and the, these are just dull gray you know I, I i rage and rage and rage against the fact that there are so many dull gray monsters in blockbuster cinema and that they just turn dinosaurs into that they're just such the most boring looking versions of dinosaurs i just i just couldn't understand there's a four-legged there's a giant four-legged dinosaur that you think originally is a T-Rex, but it's not. It's on four legs. And I just, 
What was that? What were any of the? I'm done. I'm this is an interesting fact. For some reason, it's on Wikipedia. Shot with a budget of ninety-one million, the final cost of the film was forty-five million after tax rebates. Excuse That's me. An interesting thing to put on your Wikipedia page was this a producer's scam movie? Oh my oh, god! Wow. They lost half their budget. To <laughs> what? Oh my rebate. god! Yeah, like they have to put this movie out. Like we'll get a bunch of money back. Don't worry about it. Wow. The producers, I, the producers, but with a dino horror. I hated this movie. It's it's garbage. I I I'm, I'm I very rarely get mad at movies. Yeah, but this one made me mad. Yeah, that's a bummer. well. I think you're in a perfect space to have a really great time with Fury of the Gods. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> just just all being right. honest, I don't. I, I you didn't listen to our review, but we all had a great time. Just for oh, that's reference. Good. We all had a, actually a ton of fun and think that like most people are being too harsh on the movie. That's a good time at the movies. It's, it's flawed, but it's fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Maybe I got Dungeons and Dragons this week, so we'll see where we're seeing. Oh, right hell yeah. oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There are more important things to see. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, there are more important things to see than 65. I mean, not, I just... not according to Zachary Levi, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I saw John Wick and we'll talk about it, I guess. <laughs> all right. But that's all I got for the week. Uh, so why don't we go? <laughs> into our bread and butter. So this is going to be, I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to lay this one out there for the audience. This is going to be a rough news, news section. A lot of depressing news in this one. uh, And it, there's good stuff in here, but it's a lot of depressing stuff. So uh, strap in. Because of sadness in this year, in this week. So first, uh, first seven sad news up top because a couple of people have passed away. Uh, Norman Steinberg, who is the screenwriter for Blazing Saddles, oh, uh, he passed away at the age of eighty-three. I love Blazing Saddles. Excellent. Dude, Mel, Mel is almost a hundred. He's going to outlast every single person he's ever worked with. <clears throat> yeah, no, like for real. Even the people in the even new show. Nick Kroll and Sam <laughs> Richardson, Nick Kroll, Seth yeah. Rogen, yeah, yeah. all going under before Mel yeah. Brooks. He'll be one hundred and fifty. Um. Yeah. I, I really uh, Blazing Saddles is my my is it my favorite Mel Brooks? It might be no, my favorite. Young Frankenstein is. You've told me that before. I yeah, you young said Frankenstein Young Frankenstein. He's told me. I, yeah, yeah. All, like, my favorite Mel Brooks. Yeah, movie. Young, young Frankenstein's my favorite. That's also. that's a yeah. odd masterpiece. Now look, like it, it's it's that and Blazing Saddles, right? And sure, yeah. Dad, my dad put both of those up top too. So like, yeah, it, it's those two for sure. And then like small small gap. Robin Hood Men Tights. Yeah. Still a oh, Robin Hood Men Tights is so good. Still a good movie. But Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, they're like, you know, yeah. like, I think Young Frankenstein just edges out Blazing Saddles. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's a um, black and white. Just gives it a little more classic feel. I mean, talking... there's also, also the producers, which I love, so. Yeah. Uh, that's my favorite. The original or the new? The new one. The one with uh, oh. Matthew Broderick and uh, Nathan Lane. I love that movie. It's, great. it's a good movie. I, I love that on. movie. I would say producers, uh, the newer producers, uh, mm-hmm. then Robin Hood Man Tights, then Blazing Saddles. Holy! You should mackerel. watch the original one with Gene Wilder. He should I watch should. Young Frankenstein so he can actually have an opinion on it. Oh, I missed that, man. That's monstrous. <laughs> <laughs> How did I miss that? I just assumed you said that. The you know this. I've said this multiple times on this I, podcast. I've never I seen Young Frankenstein. I don't mind spoiling an upcoming episode of Conversation small spoilers small s um small s spoilers there is an episode where that that ben is a part of again oh, yeah. um oh, yeah. he returns to conversation i won't say in what context at this point but uh there is some I will. it's <laughs> just kidding there is some some mention about how he has not seen 
Young Frankenstein. Oh yeah, in context. Then we're, then yeah, we're yeah. fixing that this year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah we are. Uh, yeah, and also actually, I was also this close to start watching History of the World Part One while Fanny was uh, while we were making dinner. But I'm like, now nah, I need to devote time to this. I want to have my complete and total attention to History of the World Part One because I want to watch History of the World Part Two. But you know what? Because I'm getting so much crap, I'll put in Young like, Frankenstein first, then watch History of the World Part One. You really got to get educated before you. Put I do. I do need to get educated. Mags in the comments saying I'm between Young Frankenstein and History of the World, mm. and Grayson's also here saying I'm getting outed. You know, it already was. Um, yeah. No, but anyway, anyway, Blazing Saddles, excellent movie. Uh, this yeah. guy was a fairly good writer. Um, Fant- fantastic film. Um, excuse me. Hilarious. I wouldn't say quotable, but still, parts of it are quotable. Hey, it's quotable. That's quotable. Where the white women at is insanely quotable. Yeah. I say it all the time when I probably shouldn't. We just got back from a lynching. See, it's coming off. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. It's awful. Oh no. As <laughs> the clad members, what they have little happy faces on their back that say, have a nice day on it. <laughs> yeah, a movie. It's bad and good. It's That's a first ever fart joke in a movie. Oh yeah, man! It took that took to the seventies. Come on, Hollywood. And it's one of my dad's favorite jokes. It's ever. a good <laughs> fart. It's a classic. It fart. Ma- that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knowing your dad, my father. You think about how old he was when that came out. Yeah, so, like he was he was in his late teens ish. So like early twenties, late teens. Yeah. Uh, all right. Oh, one more, one more thing. It's like, how's here's my hand? Yeah, but stays ruck. Yeah, but this is my shooting hand. And it's the hand I shoot with. An incredible script. Eighty-three. Not a, not a bad, not a bad long life to go. Not at all. Michael Reeves, who's the screenwriter for Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, very many episodes of Batman: The Animated Series and Gargoyles, as well as many other things. Um, I could not list all of them. Big in animation. Passed away this week at the age of seventy-two. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, definitely a big part of our childhood. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. I still hold to be the best Batman movie. Period. Seconded. That that movie it is. is abs- that's great. It, Very good. It is incredible. I will. I will die on the hill that Mask of the Phantasm is the best Batman animated film. I would have to really. Well, yeah, that one's easy. Oh yeah, the best animated film. I really have up, to like dedicate a week of my life to like. Is it really? Because like I gotta go through all the Batman's then. Because like it is like uh, it is better than like an, a Batman from a TV show movie should be. That's like a like movie level movie. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's yeah. real good. Yeah. That's why they Fun. put it in the theaters. Yeah, yeah. it's like oh Fun. shit, DVD. You want to know something hilarious about that? I remember watching like an old article about, or not an old article, an old uh, um, like some clips from the Roger and Ebert show or yeah. Siskel and Ebert. They it was they were reviewing both Mask and the Phantasm and Batman Forever at the same time. They were praising Batman Mask of the Phantasm, saying this is such a great movie. This is such a good picture. And they are completely trashing Batman Forever. And yet people went and saw Batman Forever other than Mask of the Phantasm. That's because Roger and Ebert were ahead of the curve and knew that animation is Siskel. real film. Siskel, because Roger Siskel and Ebert. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Siskel and Ebert. It happens. Um, and Siskel, um, Siskel was cool. He passed away pretty early. Um, yeah. Uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. I, I, I don't think I am like Ben and I would die on the hill that it's the best Batman film. He I said, just believe he, it no, is. That's not what he said. He said best animated Batman film. Oh, then Ben, I'll be up there with you. That's why we were like, oh, of course, you stupid dummy. Of course it's the best animated. <laughs> oh, I'll be up there with you, buddy. We'll, we, we will have no competition. I'm with you. I love you, I love you Ben, but just nobody's going to make the argument otherwise. I Actually, know, there might be some, I think there might be, 
don't know. I think it's be... Batman Gotham Knights. It's, Nobody's... Re- it's Return of the Joker, Batman no Beyond. No one's going to come up hey, and be Batman. like, it's sort of it's not better than Phantasm. No, you're right, but it's right. a good movie. But it that's is damn good. Not, but Phantasm. There's good Batman animated films. None of them are better than Phantasm. Phantasm is a capital M movie, you guys. Yeah. yeah. Capital M. Capital M. Big M. Yeah, um, I was good. Grayson, all right, hold on. Grayson's in the chat in the chat talking about Sub Zero. I was this close to make a Sub Zero joke, but it's been like over twenty years since I last seen it, and I can't make it. And so, Mag is also oh, saying that Mister Freeze one. I don't even remember. Yeah, I don't Mr. remember Sub Zero being bad either. I don't remember it being bad. I haven't seen it in a long time. I mean, it's no Mask of the Phantasm. Don't get me no, wrong. It's no. much more of a the lowercase M movie. Lowercase M movie. Lowercase but M. like, it's Mister Freeze, and it's some good Mister Freeze. It's good Mister Freeze. Uh, Mag says it is top tier, hard to compare to other animated films, including Under the Red Hood. Yeah. No, it's, it's not. It's good. not hard. It's, a good movie. it's easy. It's better. <laughs> it's be- Under the Red Hood is a good movie, but Mask of the Phantasm is better. It Phantasm is, yeah. is supreme. Uh, Phantasm supremeness. Yeah. But yeah, it. But anyways, back to the the gentleman who wrote it. It is sad he passed away because you're right. Gargoyles love gargoyles as a kid, and this this man was part of, a major part of all of our childhoods. Seventy two, not something to squawk at, but still kind of youngish, ish. Yeah. But still, yeah. he left a legacy, and we thank him for that. Yeah, absolutely incredible film. <sighs> Sparks, you asked me to put this one in this section specifically. I mean, yeah, I think it should be in the sad. Yeah, because careers are being murdered today. Yes. So. Uh, holy shit. Man, I don't. Man, okay. I'm just gonna. Nobody, I just gotta get through it. Nobody wants to do this. I just gotta get through this. All, All right, we have to do is talk about it. It's not like. <laughs> I know. I just. Brandon, do you want me to read it? I haven't. No. No. Okay. I got it. Okay. Jonathan Majors was arrested on Saturday for domestic abuse. The woman that he assaulted is in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Or at least she was, last I checked. Yep. Um, he was arrested in Manhattan on charges of strangulation, assault, and harassment following a, quote, domestic dispute. Yep. The unnamed 30-year-old woman, uh, female, uh, they say female, it's woman. I don't know why, female. Uh, this is quoted from the article. Sustained minor injuries to her head and neck and was removed to a hospital in stable condition. Now, obviously, his lawyer has come out and to say that uh, Jonathan Majors is completely innocent and is, prover- is provably the victim of an altercation with a woman he knows. Uh, we are quickly gathering and presenting evidence to the district attorney with the expectation that all charges will be dropped immediately. However, he's his lawyer paid to say that, obviously. I will point out, I, I will just point out, like, the evidence that he's laying out is the cam camera footage from a cab witnesses who were there on the street because this happened at in the vicinity of a new york city cab um and her recanting statements um this is not me like landing one side or another on this i'm just merely stating what the evidence is that they're saying they're bringing to the table to this um and why they are standing so staunchly behind saying that he is innocent and that they say the reason he was arrested which this is true is that um, because she went directly to the hospital um the nypd had to arrest him just be, that is the circumstance they automatically go and do that because sure. of his involvement in it so yeah um obviously sparks sparks very elegantly put i didn't hear a lot of that stuff so i thank you for bringing that up um i will i will bring up the other side uh, just kind of real quickly again like sparks not taking a side here um there is cor- there is coercion uh, the woman could be could have been coerced into retracting her statement it's possible uh, obviously yeah um However, since then, since this has happened, um, many people online have taken to 
online communities to talk about the fact that Jonathan Majors apparently has a history of abuse with below the line workers, with people, boom operators, assistants, uh, below uh, editors, things like people like that, that we call below the line workers in Hollywood and film. Um, verbally abusive, apparently. Yeah. Um, That's all I've got. Nasty, a nasty history with, you, you were going to say, well, you no, say it. Yeah, I was just say, yeah, it's like the one, the one person that I was following on Twitter talking about it was they posted a month ago when Ant-Man was about to premiere uh, being vague, saying there's someone in Hollywood right now who's having the biggest rise of anyone's career, and if they knew the type of person he actually was, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be loving him like like they like it's like he's yeah. getting. And then this happened, and then they retweeted what they said a month later, going ding ding ding. Uh, and then people were following up saying, if anyone uh, is in the New York theater circle, you know about Jonathan Majors. Uh, this isn't anything new to people who have been in a theater circle when he was when he was younger. Um, Obviously, you'd hope that, you know, when you're younger, like in college, you make mistakes, you can grow up to be a better person. He's now in his 30s. Maybe not. Maybe he is yeah. still a, not a great person. And that's just that is something uh, all of us are dealing with because we all loved him. Love him. Right. Like he is he is a really charming, incredible talent. Um, Amazingly. Talented. Yeah. Like, that's why it's so. Such yeah. A big it's summer. But like you have to believe victims until like 100 percent ev evidence is otherwise put forth. Like there's no reason someone who would just want to ruin someone's like this. Like this doesn't just happen, right? Like it, yeah. this seems more legitimate than not. Even if it was a random, like something a random encounter where like like they got into a fight and it was a one-time thing, this is still like it, he got arrested. Some he got arrested for doing this. It's important. Like, it's important to point out because like there is this amount of like you know someone can lie to to do this to a person. Like people have accurately pointed out that like the, the times where like a victim has been a liar in the situation, it's because they also have a pattern of abuse and manipulation that that can clearly be shown and like is reflective and like it's one of the reasons why like I'm not taking a side in this conversation and I'm not going to. But like the Amber Heard heard and Johnny Depp thing like that is so ugly because they both have patterns of abuse sure yeah. um that that gets so gross because it's very clear that they both have patterns of abuse to any like casual observer of that conversation yeah and so like it's important to recognize that like yes that does happen it's usually because that person is also a person who is who is traversing in that and they're like i don't know any details about the no we don't know anything about the woman yet but like there's no reason to jump to that conclusion and if she was in the hospital getting treated for injuries like I doubt they would lie about that. Like, you know, police, police, like when they, when they arrest someone, like there is an arrest record. They, they have to catalog everything. They write down everything. Like it's the internet. People can find this shit. Like this, mm. this is something that happens. So like, it's just like what happens going forward. Like that's not for, obviously for us to decide, but like, man, like Brandon uh, brought up when, when we were talking about this, like why I decided to have this placed here is because we're talking later, there is a section where we're talking about something that's very specific to Marvel Studios. And I wanted this to be separate from that because this isn't this isn't about Marvel Studios. This isn't about the Marvel right. Cinematic Universe. This is just about yeah. an actor and learning that they, they very likely are an abuser and um, have this reportedly sociopathic behavior. Yeah. And that in a grander sense especially as people who have been fans of his work, regardless of its MCU or not. Um, it's very up upsetting uh, because he has been so impressive and someone arguably we've all wanted to champion because he's been so impressive yeah. um, as a talent. And then here we are. Not just, and again, this isn't about movies, but like, this is a, this is a man who was due to have a great freaking year. Sure. Um, one of the best years of an uh, we, you've ever seen for an actor, and and we 
Sparks Ryan and I have liked him since Lovecraft Country, and we've always wanted to see this kind of rise from this actor. And and it, it and it it it's hard to put into words because obviously, like, look, I'm not a woman. It's really difficult for me to put my sho- the shoes in in in, the, in a woman's place. And obviously, I believe the woman. Um, it, it hurts though. It feels yep. like a betrayal. Yeah, um, almost because like this was someone that this isn't like a Mel Gibson who you just who you learned he was anti-Semitic and you're like yeah okay sure that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, this is someone who seemed charming and nice and likable and I I follow a, a critic online I believe I believe actually three of us do um a, a Richard something um forgot his name forgot his last name um he's a critic online he's, he's an african-american critic who I, I i really like and i really respect and i love reading his stuff and he was hurt about this news and like not even not even quoting this news it's just like you know you just you just don't really know people i guess yeah and right and we don't and like we don't know celebrities and that's a, that's an important thing but like you know the the only part that we can speak to is as fans of his talented performances because that's really all it comes down to is like we what do we engage with we engage with his performances and his performances have been very impressive and things we've really enjoyed and that we've wanted to champion him getting more roles because he's very very talented and it is disheartening to learn that uh he is for all intents and purposes it appears this type of person and that that's just a blow in general because it's a person who we were about to like raise up to like you know, this is this is going to be one of the great acting icons of our time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it sucks. It just sucks in a mm-hmm. in a broader sense. Ben, you were going to say something. Um, I, I was. I kind of. I had a thought, and then part of me lost it because okay. I was. I was going to say something like along the lines with Sparks thing. And also, you guys are right. We don't know celebrities. We wish we could, but everything they post on social media. It's all facade. When they even when they're talking in interviews, they're talking about a movie. Every once in a while, we do get a little snippet of maybe what they're like, or maybe a reporter does step step a little too far in a direction they don't want. There's definitely been scenes like that. Like uh, one that comes to mind is Robert Downey Jr. essentially shutting down an interview because the interviewer wanted to talk about his dad. He's like, "No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about my movie." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly uh, what interview you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. but it, yeah. yeah, but at the exact same time, when you watch a person on screen and even their interactions with the press, with fans, and, and at certain events or even on the red carpet, you want to get this idea that hey, this is an actually a cool person, this is a cool dude, or this is a cool lady, and sometimes it works, sometimes it is true, and when news like this happens with, with someone who is extremely charismatic, like Jonathan Majors, it sucks. I had no clue about this well nobody how how can well i didn't i I, I didn't know i was i was busy i was busy yesterday yeah he didn't see the he's talking about he didn't see the news yeah i didn't see the news okay sure sure, yeah Yeah, i didn't see the news report i was busy with other things um and when this was brought to my attention my heart sank because you're absolutely right this is something that is a career killer especially with something i wouldn't say this is it young in jonathan major's career but we were all saying his star was rising. Loki, Creed, um, Quantumania. Um, you guys were talking about how good he was in Lovecraft Country. Yeah. And now that this happened, this is a career. Like, should these allegations prove true? And this could, this is easily a career killer. So I, I do just kind of, first I want to say one thing about my initial reaction. Then I want to talk about like, where, where are we going from here? Possibly. Um, and 
for me, I just think it was really striking. And I just want to point it out that like, I feel the same thing that Brandon's echoing and like, we all kind of are of like really admiring the person and everything. But to be honest with you, the moment that I heard about it, I had this immediate, like, no, yeah, no, this can't be true reaction. But, but like it was stemming from this immediate image in my mind of the kid who went to the Ant-Man premiere dressed as Kang that he was signing the helmet of. And I'm like, God damn it. This job, what a, what a, for, and like, cause, because we live in America, like what a, what a damaging and terrible thing for such a, a black icon uh, actor to be this is, yeah. is, is also like a factor of this. This is not just another shitty white guy in, in the celebrity culture. This is a, a, a very inspiring uh, black male icon uh, yeah. on the rise. And I hate it. I hate to, to know these things, um, but we have to, and we have to face them. But, uh let's kind of what ben was saying let's kind of talk about like maybe what's what what what's ahead because now that the his lawyer has responded today with all this evidence talk we kind of i think have a bit of a picture of where we're headed if a lot of this camera evidence is there if i don't see why the lawyer would be lying whether it was coercion or not we can pontificate but will she have recanted her statements that would have been accusing him of anything then he's probably going to be fine yeah are they going to prove that there is a gap will jonathan majors maybe come out and talk about like who he was like ryan's saying when he was in college and some things that he's still working through possibly can we take that at face value maybe uh we weren't there who knows how much information we're going to get going ahead now this is going to become an every person's choice probably kind of thing where we're going to have to potentially look at like how do we feel about Jonathan Majors, is this something where maybe this was just a situation that got out of hand? They have established that this was someone he knew. Yeah. She was having an episode in crisis is what they're saying. I'm not saying that's a fact. I'm just saying this is the narrative we're about to be given. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is there going to be a suggested gap in this pattern of abuse from him and who he'll be uh, uh, going forward from it? Really quick, Brandon. But I think the main thing I want to focus on is what I like. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, I use that word very loosely to see what happens now, because I'm very curious how Hollywood responds to Jonathan Majors coming under fire like this compared to an Ezra Miller, because Ezra Miller choked out a fan on camera and didn't get arrested. So, I mean, like we're we're looking at. We'll see. We'll see how this is all going to play out. This isn't me saying like Jonathan Majors to get the same lower treatment as Ezra Miller, but Ezra Miller should have gotten the same higher treatment. So, um, but, you know, be prepared that we're probably going to have a lot of negative space. We're going to have to kind of figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things that I want to address that you, that you touched on sparks. Um, and I'll start with first because you, I'll just bounce off the Ezra Miller thing real quickly because you're right. There's, there's a, there's pretty, there's, there, there's a comparison to be made there. Um, Ezra Miller um, has come out and said that they're going to work on themselves. They had a lot of trouble. Obviously, he's a criminal, um, and Warner Brothers is, is committed to putting him, putting them, sorry, through that um, program, that rehab, whatever whatever they're going to do to help them through whatever it is that they were going through. So there is a world where you could believe that perhaps Jonathan majors could just come out and say like, I was this person and I'm working, I'm working through this and I'm going through programs or I'm going through whatever. Um, 
hell disney could even force him uh, to go through a program to to help oh, yeah. uh, in, in some narrative to help a narrative um uh, even even so uh, which is a possibility um but you know also true or not he'll have a much harder time coming back from this than ezra miller did mm -hmm. uh just by the nature of america yeah. it sucks um the other thing is it gets really concerning and i and i almost hesitate to bring this up but it gets really concerning when it's proven that a woman has maybe or exaggerated the the what had happened or uh provable that this circumstance was not what it said what what it, what it seemed um or something like that because if you remember from what happened after the amber heard trial after the 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 libel trial for amber heard and johnny depp all of a sudden people were saying oh see all women lie yeah, all right. men are vindicated all women lie and that right. just and this would become just another bullet in that gun then that's concerning also because you don't want that to be the narrative because you want to believe women because women are abused more often than not yeah right. um just because one person was not telling the truth doesn't mean that the others aren't um and so that's just a concerning reality that should this come out that she recanted her statement let's just say it happened and she just recanted her statement she just becomes another and like as i said another bullet in that gun yeah and with the way things just seem to be shaking out i would not be surprised if she gets a huge check and this we never hear from this ever again yeah. and it's like it'll be whatever the next jonathan major like loki like he won't be part of the press but then the next year like enough time will pass where enough people will forget or enough people didn't didn't believe it in the first place you know and with any situation like with any actor like like these days even as a miller like enough time passes and like in hollywood everything is okay kind of look at mel gibson that dude's in, doing a bunch of shit now unfortunately like hmm. like like it, it's just it's such a tough situation because like it's a no win it's a no win exactly yeah because uh it, much to the point of what you were saying and then what like that's a no win but also this isn't me saying like Jonathan Major shouldn't be held accountable for his actions, but it is me saying there are people who are going to take the narrative that if he is and he actually sees punishment slash justice when others get away with it in Hollywood, that that they'll rally around like, why does a black man get treated this way? It Regardless of the fact of his responsibility or culpability, that they'll champion that he shouldn't just because others don't. Yeah, yeah. And that that that'll come up like it's just it's just a no-win situation. It's uh I, I truly wonder what Iger and the rest of Disney brass are thinking right now. Um, because honestly, probably they're just they, they have to play wait and see for a final decision. Yeah. Um, and then have to go with their guts on that one. Because the thing is, like, now he's a risk one way or another. Um, because if you keep him and something else happens. Now you're really in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if you drop him when he's been proven innocent, uh, you're also going to get into the mix of things over a lot of controversy on that one. But there's also a lot of people who will support it. So I, it's going to be really, really tough to see what they're thinking. Is this a risk that Disney has had to deal with before? And I'm not just talking about Marvel, but just Disney in general. I seem to recall a situation where they were in a similar situation and they chose uh, to back their star when they probably shouldn't have. 
Hmm. Trying to think, but if, I, I, if it if it doesn't immediately come to mind, we don't need to spend time. No, 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 yeah, but I'm just trying to think if there was one. like the closest thing I, I mean, basically, of... I mean, basically, wouldn't it be like at first Johnny Depp, right? It was, Johnny but Depp. but then but then they dropped Johnny Depp from Future Pirates stuff. Yeah, yeah. After true. enough public outcry, um, honestly, that was fine. Uh, not because Johnny Depp, not just because of the abuse, because. That was done with Jack Sparrow. Um, I Mag, uh, Mag brings up a, a, a point of you know yeah. it's going to be tough for the victim that it might be hard to have a private and social life if she's looked up online. I think they're doing a very good job right now of keeping her information private. Yeah, so we'll really see. Hopefully that maintains. Because um, it, it it's hard it's hard to it's hard to report abuse and violence. It just is. Yeah, it just is. That's woman or man, uh, to be honest with you, because it's hard for women because women don't get believed, and it's hard for men because also men don't get believed, especially if it's a, a woman doing violence to them. So like, we're we're all we're all across the spectrum. It's just it's just very hard when you're dealing with celebrities who people associate that they have a a knowledge base of who they are, and therefore have the information to look at them a certain way. But they're not your you know they're not you, our friends. Yeah. We don't know them. You want to believe that like. Because somebody reaches celebrity status that like, oh, like, they earned it. So like you want to believe that like, oh, they are cool and they're like, they're cool. And, and like, you know, you love seeing them do their thing. So like, you know, they get to be the star. And I'm like, it's it's, it's just so interesting, like when these things happen, because like, it's just such a bummer when you find out like may, maybe, you know, whether or not like this did happen or not, like when you find out somebody isn't who you think they are, it's just, it's really devastating. It's just a big bummer, especially with someone like this who are like, we are witnessing like, again, like you said, like a meteoric rise of like, like a superstar. Uh, I have to imagine that that the angle here that that majors will go with, whether it's whole like coming from the heart or not, is going to be this very strong attempt to make amends yeah. and do the whole apology tour and and hopefully never have something like this happen again. Yeah, um, because you know that could that could keep everyone in his corner if he can acknowledge it as a troubled past and. Um, specifically, like, be absolved of this situation and then everything before, you know. But we don't really know the details of everything before. So I and, can't really say that that should be yeah. wiped away or not. But, like, uh, it feels like that's the angle that this <clears throat> is going towards. The last, the last thing I'll say is um, sometimes someone needs to go through something bad like this to know that they, that they are this type of person. They need to know they need to they need to get caught and they need to be quote unquote punished to know like, oh, I do need to change. Because if you go your entire life acting a certain way and it's negative and there's no repercussions, then you won't change. So like sometimes this needs to happen. Like you sometimes you need to like sometimes like you need repercussions, whether it's an accident or real or not. Like like all these people coming out of the world saying, oh, this isn't new to me. I don't I don't think they're lying. Like I, they, have, they have no reason to lie. So right. like. You know, uh, especially because none of them are like coming out with their direct names and getting fame or claim yeah. for it or yeah. anything like that. Um, I think you're totally right about what you just said. I, I think there's the optimist and the hope in me wants to be that Jonathan Majors is that kind of person and, and therefore will strive to make right and make amends for a, a not great past. Yeah. Um, and time will tell. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I don't know. Yeah, because yeah. some because that that really falls into where do you feel as a person? I think this is something where like 
if there is any valid conversation to have in cancel culture, it is the amount of where we are willing to accept when someone wants to actually grow and do better and make amends and how willing are we to accept that from a person versus, you know, when a person absolutely uh, pulls a Louis CK and digs their, their heels in and says, absolutely not. I'm never in the wrong uh, kind of thing. Like wh where do we have the room for forgiveness in that? Um, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Well, good, good discussion. Anything else? Uh, it's not important what's going to happen with the MCU in relation to the rest of this. Uh, like this, the, the immediate factor with the victim is the most important thing, but woof. <laughs> yeah. A whole, a whole saga, uh, centered around this one actor. Yeah. That's why I got a feeling Disney will probably try to do some real hard course correction. Oh yeah. Do you think Disney, I'm, Specula this is just speculation. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Disney would recast if this comes out as like he this oh, is him if, being if he's if he's if like he's guilty proven yes. guilty, absolutely yeah. they will recast. And that will be an, a great opportunity for another actor. It's a, like, it's it's if it's where it gets sticky is like what happens with Loki season two, right? Because it's not right. out yet. Oh um, yeah. Which is tough because like you don't want to hold back the work of everyone else, but like oof. uh so there's that. But um I think just by the narrative we've already been given from his lawyer, like we kind of have an idea of where this is headed. Um, I find it, it like if they're that confident that they have camera footage and witnesses and her uh, to their words, pulling back the statements. then I think they're quite confident that he's going to be fine. Um, and then I think you get into a gray area yeah. with Disney as far as I'd, I'd say. Yeah. No, uh, Grayson's asking if we have any opinions of who they could have fill that role. Uh, not right now. Uh, I, I hesitate to even dwell on it for very long. Yeah, me. I want a million dollars. Yeah, I'll do it. I'm a white variant. The four of us do it. We're all variants of the same the same Kang. <laughs> Can you imagine Kang. the audience's reaction if, like, the new Kang shows up and it's just like four white dudes? <laughs> it's just like, oh, interesting choice, guys. I'll be in the Ramatut outfit. Sure, sure, sure. I'll be the weird. I will tell centurion. you. I, I guess. I'll tell you that my immediate thought of like uh, a a black male actor of the 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 caliber uh, that we are associated with who could play all this variety in Kang and I think bring the bring fear of Kang to it just like Majors did in Quantum Mania. One of the reasons his performance is so great in that film um, is already in the MCU, albeit in a minor role. Uh, and it's um, Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, sure. From oh. that awesome. from Get Out and yeah. Nope. That's a good choice. Um, because I think he has the right uh, range and intensity. Um, but like I said, yeah, it's already in the MCU. No, <laughs> so, he's a variant. Not even in the second Black Panther movie. He's a he's a variant. We'll recommend yeah. him to be a variant. Yeah, it all works out. You can figure it out, but like he's he's the first gentleman who would come to my mind. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about some cool stuff before we get into some more depressing stuff. Sounds good. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Godzilla's cool. We like Godzilla. Oh, hell yeah, we do. Two Godzilla things I want to talk about real quickly. First is the novelization of the first Godzilla film and the second Godzilla film, Godzilla Raids Again, um, has never seen an American publication until now. Uh, this year, uh, the Godzilla and Godzilla Raids Again uh, novelizations will be translated and published in America from Minnesota Press. 
That's cool. Yeah, this is really cool. These novelizations that released in Japan go even harder on the like environmental terrorism of the atomic bomb attacks on Japan uh, for motivating um, the the creation of Godzilla and how that affected the environment and and Japan's response. Um, And I'm super fascinated by that. The the notion that they they do this is something that like they never had to do this necessarily. Like it's been this many years. They, they never had to do this. It's very cool. I think that they are going back and doing this. It's like a $20 book and you get both of them in one. Mm-hmm. Um, there are more novelizations from not, not every film has a novelization, but a few of them do from this, uh, from the earlier Showa uh, period. So it'll be interesting to see if any more of them make it over after this Mothra in particular. Um, I hear a lot of people saying like they want an English, a proper English translation of a of mothra i believe because again of the environmental messaging yeah 69 years since the first movie came out uh nice again the novelization in america for the first time that's really cool it took a little bit i didn't know any of that about about the novelization sparks and um i already pre-ordered it but now i'm really excited that i did i also pre-ordered it nice yeah i want them to do it and i want them to do them all (laughs) um all right godzilla here there be dragons. Yeah, this is great. Uh, this is a new f- five-issue miniseries coming from IDW, obviously, uh, from Frank Thierry and Inaki Miranda. Ooh, Frank Thierry wrote Space Punisher. Yes, he did. He's a cool guy. Um, in the 1500s, before humanity had successfully traveled the entire globe, it was believed that monsters ruled the oceans just beyond the horizon. Here, There Be Dragons was written on maps to denote the areas people dared not go. That is, until Sir Francis Drake circum- circumnavigated the seas, visiting foreign lands and collecting treasure. Or at least that's ha- what history tells us. The truth is, tremendous beasts did lurk yonder, dwelling on an island that doesn't appear on any map even to this day, and among those monsters was the king of them all, Godzilla. This, Pirates versus Godzilla, baby. It's, uh, yeah, baby. Uh, this it's Uncharted prequel. so cool. It is an Uncharted prequel. Yeah, because Nathan Drake. Yeah, yeah Sir he's, Francis about, Drake. he's not actually a descendant, just which he just thinks he is. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah this sounds stupid fun. 1500s, yeah. like, oh, I'm an explorer. Oh, big beasts. Love it. Love I it. cannot wait. I love. I love. First of all, I love the art. Um, in, in, in Inaki Miranda, great art. Uh, there's pages out there already, um, and I th- just seeing a wooden sail ship with Godzilla attacking it. It's gonna be so cool. I I'm buying this trade form. I read the synopsis, and I'm like, I can't wait. I want this in my bookshelf. This sounds so cool. Yeah, yeah. Mag does bring up an interesting point. Uh, he says this is similar to Predator or Prey, but wish they keep doing it in comic book form. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what we like to see from the Predator franchise. You know, kind of going back in time and doing something new with some with something that we're familiar with. Um, yeah. Also, Predator Pirates make it happen. Yeah, I'm pretty. I don't. There might be one in in Predator Hunting Grounds by now because there's. Oh, I'm sure one, there is. There's one of everyone now. There's. It's. I check that game every once in a while. They keep adding new dudes. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, but I want to see the movie. No, oh, yeah, of course. Predator yeah. versus pirates. That'd be sick as hell. Oh, that'd be so cool. Anyway, um, yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm really excited for this. This looks awesome. I agree. Predator, Predator has to build his own boat. <laughs> yeah. He's ca- he's he's captain of his. He's got captain a crew. A predator crew. His predator crew. They're all pirates. They've all got there's pirate like, There's like three of them. They build their own ship. Yeah. 
Everybody thinks it's a ghost ship because they're invisible. Uh, my oh my god! Is, there is a there is a he has a shark he has a shark fin on his back. He oh, that's so pirate. cool! It's kind of hard to see on here, but definitely it exists. That's cool. Uh, he's got like a, he's got like a septum piercing. Hell yeah! Did you catch oh. Did you catch what I said? Is that everybody thinks it's a ghost ship because the three predators are invisible? Oh. So every time the pirates are approached by it, they're like, "It's it's the ghost ship." It's, so good. <laughs> it's really good. Great idea I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> That's brilliant. We need to make this happen. Call and then, Disney. And then, a, and then a pirate captain like kills a predator and wears like his skull as like a new yeah, hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. oh, man. Call We're Disney. Gonna... We're just giving them free ideas right now. Shit. We're Kang. We got a predator for you. It's true. Yeah. Look at that crossover. All right. That sounds great. I can't... <laughs> Honestly, I'm more excited for the predator movie we made up than I was. That ghost predator idea is like, <laughs> is like the coolest thing I've ever done. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like the black pearl that predators yeah. are on it. Oh, oh I need a moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, like, teenage friendship get around. There's never anybody captaining it. Oh, you have like, and, you have like oh a... my god! And when you come on, you just hear predator clicking. You hear the echoes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no! You oh. have like a guy go on the like the scapegoat guy, and he's there with the swords like trembling, and then you hear. You hear the clicking, and then he just, just, a, just his blood spatter, and you see like, a blood cord, uh, like you know the predator blades, just mm. like poor guys, like ah, and then the fog comes in, and you hear just screaming and silence. Sirens aren't siren recording, uh, aren't sirens. They're like the the wailing echo recordings that the predators make of their victims. Oh, <sighs> too good. We should be writing this <laughs> down. Oh, no, no, it's Marvel now. Damn, no, we had a better chance with IDW. <laughs> We did have a better chance of IDW. <laughs> Dark Horse. Dark Horse, there, yeah. Hey, this Dark is Horse. cool. I like the Godzilla versus Pirates book. I this love is it. Cool. I do too. Speaking of IDW, hey, you know what's cool? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That is pretty True. cool. Last year they had a they had a book um written by Kevin Eastman and, and um not actually Peter Laird, by the way. I just figured I just found out it's not Peter Laird. His name is on it because it's his idea. So it's just Kevin Eastman who wrote it. But the last Ronin, which was kind of the old man Logan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where one of the turtles was left alive with the other three were dead, going around New York seeking revenge. Anyway, popular as hell comic book. Apparently, it's being adapted into a video game. Um, and uh, a triple A video game is being developed based on the comic book miniseries. Uh, we don't know who the studio is yet because they said it's still kind of a ways off. Um, but it's going to be inspired by the recent God of War games. Mm. that makes sense mm -hmm. uh this totally makes sense because uh i haven't read it but he does uh, uh whoever whoever the remaining turtle is uses all four of the weapons so like yeah. you can either you probably unlock more abilities or you'll just have four and you can upgrade different ones that you want uh this sounds super dope like a high budget like you know like open world-esque new york but like the tmnt like like coding over it sounds awesome that sounds awesome yeah it sounds like yeah. it could be a lot of fun uh, again, it's still a ways. It's still a ways out, but this sounds really cool. Yeah, this this we probably won't see this for a long. But I'm, yeah, but I'm here for this, it. This is probably like five, six, seven years out, maybe give or take. Depends on how if it's God of War, five years. If it, if, yeah, if it's yeah. going to be that big, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think but a minimum I'm, five. Uh, we we yeah. see this just before the PS6 launches. Yeah, probably. But I do say this is a really cool idea, though. You gotta save up money. Start now. <laughs> save up now to get the PS the PS6. Yeah. The Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, has cast uh, three new actors. Uh, real quickly, Mag, hoping they do this horse justice. 
I do too. Never read it, but I hope so for your sake. Yeah, I'll read it before. Well, I'll definitely read it before that game. So I got Maybe five- we two. all will in five years' time. Maybe future book club for our 11th year. Hell yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> we'll be almost 40. 12th year. This is our seventh year doing the show. Hell yeah. I know, right. Ben. <laughs> Um, I had a I had a fun time recording my fake news watch this week uh, for with Cookie because like I was just reminded about how old I was the entire time. Yeah, is is it Cookie? Is how old Cookie? I don't even remember. I think he's a little older than me. Us? Uh, is he? I thought he was like younger. Oh, he might be younger. He's around us. He's around. Yeah, he's not like yeah. twenty five. Yeah, I mean they did just put the American girl. The newest American girls are set in historic nineteen ninety nine, and that hit really close to home. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Don't that, that. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Um, all right. So the we Lord. Late 90s, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord of the Rings, the Rings the of Power. 1900s. Sorry. <laughs> the late 1900s. Stop. The Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power has cast Syrian. Syrian? Syrian Hines. Syrian Hines. Thank you. I knew. Raider in Game of Thrones. Yeah. I knew how to pronounce that, but I forgot because he was nominated for an Oscar like two years ago, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Roy <clears throat> Kinnear? Um, not M. The side, M sidekick in the James Bond movies. He was also in Men. He's like every... He's all the men in Men. Yeah, he's he's a balder guy. He's a balder yeah. guy. Yeah. He's great. Uh, and Tanya Moody have been cast in season two. I forgot Tanya Moody. I'm so yeah. excited for another season of that show. Hell I yeah. loved it. Hell yeah. I love Vance Raider. That dude's great and everything. Let me see who Tanya Moody is real quick. Oh, it's um, uh, isn't? No, I'm thinking of something else. Uh, okay, Tanya Moody. Um, she uh, not Motherland for Sailor, but she was she was in. She was in Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Okay, as a small character. Probably. Good job, Tanya. All right. Well, you know, all I I'm just excited for more. Yeah. Yeah. Siren Hines is great. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. He played Mephisto oh. in Ghost Rider 2. Yes, he did. Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, He's also uh, in... Um, yes. The Ed Harris show on AMC. They're on the boat. The Terror. The Terror. He Thank is. You're you. right. I did watch that show. He is. Yeah, in, yeah. I knew you did. And I'm like, yeah. he was really good in that too. Yeah. Not Ed Harris, Jared Harris. Jared Harris. Thank you. Yeah. Jared yeah. Harris and Siren Hines. Siren yeah, yeah. Hines. And Siren Hines was really good. That's real. It's a real sad show. God, I really need yeah, to watch that show. I still haven't I still haven't. Very sad. Very good. The Exorcist reboot, which is coming from David Gordon Green, has cast uh Linda Blair, who will re- reprise her role as Regan McNeil. I'm you know, surprised little, it took, it took this this long for it to happen. I, I assumed this was the idea from the beginning. Uh, we've heard other things about this movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, it makes sense to get the, the person that the movie's about in the movie. Uh, so it totally makes sense. I don't know about this still. I'll say that. I'll tell I you just, what. I just, I'm, I'm mixed about it, and I'll be honest with you. It is partially because I thought the Fox show... Uh, based off The Exorcist was very good and in the mm-hmm. first season they already did this where they bring Regan back and her daughter is uh, being possessed by the same demon and uh, Regan was played by Gina Davis and yeah. like she killed it and so I'm like uh, uh, uh. as someone who <laughs> didn't watch that show 
Uh, although I love Gina Davis. That yeah. is good casting for older Reagan. Right. Uh, right. Uh, I when I when this was announced that David Gordon Green was doing this after the second Halloween movie, Halloween Kills, yeah. which I'm not the biggest fan of. I was like, I don't know. But then I really liked Halloween Ends and how like how weird it got. And I know how the first Halloween is great. So I'm like, okay, I'm back all around on on giving this this one a chance. Uh, I was going to anyway, but like my excitement for it has risen. Uh, and again, getting Linda Blair is really cool. Like that's that's cool. They are setting out to make a trilogy right off the bat, right? Yes, but they did say that. That's the part that that really gets me. Like, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. like maybe just do a good one, a good one. Yeah, but Hollywood money. Yeah. They'll do a good they'll do a bad one and then that trilogy that trilogy comment will be scrubbed from the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they'll get three good ones. I they'll hope really... they'll do a good one. They'll do one that like most of the fan base is kind of like uh, and then a really about. weird third and one. And then they'll do a weird third <laughs> one that we'll all love except for Ben who will think it's utter garbage. <laughs> um I I'm really excited for this honestly. Uh much for the same way that Ryan is cuz like, you know, I 2018 is i think is incredible i really like halloween ends um so like i i'm really interested in this i really wanted to watch there were two shows that came out around the same time one was a sequel to the elm and one was a sequel to the exorcist um both were good i heard i didn't watch the omen one but i can tell you that the exorcist was good and i i it should have had more i wanted to see both of those but i never got around to it so Maybe I highly recommend. I'm sure it's on Hulu now, yeah. so I highly recommend watching. They're not long seasons. I believe they are both 13 episode seasons. Um, the second season deals with a whole different thing. So the first season is entirely dealing with Reagan and her family and and uh, all this, and then the second season follows the same um, uh, preachers, but not uh, the same same family. And that actually ends up in a foster home run by. Person who acts. It's just not coming to my brain. That's okay. I will I will find it though. So give me one second. Um I because we just watched an exorcist trailer for one, like the Pope's Exorcist or something. And so like my thing is like that first Exorcist movie is incredible still. And those and those effects that are practical and they're throwing that little girl around probably like uh breaking some like uh, uh laws, you know, some some uh Hollywood laws like throwing children around like that. But um John Cho. John Cho. Oh, John oh. Cho's in the second season. Oh yeah. Uh he he runs the foster home uh where the possession is occurring. Uh I, I just thought that this movie can be original with its exorcism stuff instead of just oh we're just cracking backs because like no I know that's what you do demon I know. I am hoping okay so I'll say I'll say I, I haven't rewatched the first film in a really long time because I find that movie truly terrifying. Like it even is... to, to this day it is a terrifying um, and I hope that I hope the sequel can recapture that. Yeah, I legitimately like movies don't often actually like frighten me. But like there's like there's a scene that like when she's running down the stairs like backwards like a spider. Oh. And like I, that every time I see it, it unnerves me to my core. And I'm like, no, like modern CG, like nothing can recreate like what you just did in the 70s by just doing it old school and gross. <clears throat> uh, like it's just so disgusting, that movie. Uh, uh I hope they keep some of the practicality to it, which of course I'm I'm sure they will. The Halloween movies aren't like overly CG or anything, you know. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, I don't get Grayson's comment. I'm trying to decipher this. Uh, 
something about is this like, a Halloween? Is this a Halloween reference? No, no I think it's the Exorcist uh, reference because of how many sequels and fourth. That's a, a fourth. That's a prequel. There is a prequel. Yeah, uh, uh, Stellan Skarsgård's in it. I believe I saw that in theaters with my mom. But is that what he's talking about? The Exorcist? I think prequel? so because Maybe. the Exorcist yeah. has that kind of track record. It, it, the Exorcist, uh, the Dominion or whatever, is like the fourth one, and uh, uh, saw that in like two thousand and two or two thousand four. Way too young in the theaters because yeah. I like horror shit. All right. Yeah. Time to talk about some sad news again. Speaking of things that hurt. Oh, yeah, this one sucks. This one kind of shocked me, too, honestly. Um, a little while ago, we talked about Funko had bought Mondo. Um, Elmo Drafthouse was interested in selling Mondo because they could no longer grow Mondo, and Mondo needed a partner that could help them grow. And so they were looking for a partner like that. Funko <laughs> had really good success with Loungefly. They grew Loungefly almost single-handedly with their licensing deals and everything like that, so it felt like Mondo would be a good fit. However, Funko had a really bad year. A really bad quarter, actually. It was even less than a year. It was a really bad quarter. Um, Ooh, real quick, was, did we talk about them dumping $30 million worth of Funkos into a landfill? Did we talk about that? No, we didn't. Well, they did that because they're stupid and they can't. they don't know how to handle their money. They did. They did do that, and this is actually a consequence of what happened. I was about to get there. Um, so, Funko has laid off most of Mondo's staff and will no longer make Mondo posters. The whole poster division has been stupid. shut down, gone forever. Super stupid. Super duper stupid. Incredibly dumb. Like the premiere like the like there are tons of great people who make posters but like mondo is like they're the people they're the people you go to like oh you want a pristine like high quality ass like studio approved poster these are the guys you get uh this is hilarious this is unbelievable there are so many mondo posters in this house yeah yeah there are so many mondo posters uh, in this question that really cool godzilla poster you have that's a Mondo mondo one right yeah mondo yeah yeah i'm pissed I am upset. So, look. Initially, it wasn't... I like Funko. I buy a Funko Pop. Sure, whatever. But it it does... I I, I do see it switching. Now, Funko is kind of going the way of the Beanie Baby. Um, I don't know if that will happen, but it does look like it's a possibility at this point, where it didn't maybe a year ago. Um, That kind of too-big-to-fail situation. But... The fact that they bought this company with the sense to grow it and the expectation to grow it, they had one bad quarter and they destroy the company. The new company that they just bought is a horrible capitalistic business plan. Oh, yeah. And everybody involved in that decision should feel bad. Worse yet, should probably die. Yeah, but here's the thing. They definitely won't die unless they have like really bad like heart heart problems or like blood disease. Get me the death note. They don't feel bad because it's their it's their job to make money, and they don't care about they don't care about like again this happens in so many other corporations that like we don't like that aren't in our privy, uh, but this is like this is unfortunately a standard, and it's getting only worse over time. I gotta tell you, it's a bit of a weird move, only in the sense that like you know what kind of people still buy Funkos? Nerds. The majority of people who probably still buy Mondo posters. Yeah. Like, they're they're not necessarily, like, I'm not saying, like, absolutely every single person will buy a Funko, but, like, there's definitely an overlap, and you've definitely pissed off them. 100%. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Like, you've certainly made me go, like, well, I don't really want to buy another Funko ever again. Hashtag, what really? hashtag fuck Funko. 
has been the thing that really bums me out about this is they they did the number crunching and they said mondo doesn't make enough money with their current model for us to continue meaning no matter how much we like them it wasn't enough money for a bigger corporation and they and like it wasn't enough for mondo on their own because they needed to get bought like they needed help so like unfortunately mondo was too good and like they needed way more support which they they just didn't get like to be fair, Mondo wasn't really the thing in trouble initially. It was Draft House. Okay. Because Draft House yeah, yeah, had yeah. Mondo and okay. they sold Mondo because they could not give them the resources they okay. felt Mondo needed to yeah. flourish the way they should because Draft House was having issues. And I think that's the thing. Like Mondo needs more resources than 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 they could give. But here's the Which is why Funko was such a good fit, because they had the resources. But to be honest yeah. with you, just slightly increase the stock numbers on their posters. Like go from making like 300 prints to 500 prints and you make more money like it, it especially on like your really popular sellers like it's not it wouldn't have been hard for them to increase the sales yeah. on mondo posters i know there's a crap ton of people who try and get mondo posters and don't get them oh yeah because they're such a limited edition thing and that's not bad but you can increase that edition size and you will make sales and it'll still be a limited thing and the thing is like they don't even make the copies of the prints until after they've been purchased yeah so it's not like they're printing things that they're not going to sell. Yeah. So Mondo Music and Mondo Figures uh, will still are still in development. They um, Mondo for started for now. Mondo did start as a music company, not a poster company, so their records are safe for now. Um, but but the also post- part of the appeal, notably a part of the appeal of those vinyls, is that most of them have what is essentially akin to Mondo poster art on them. And a lot of those artists are no longer going to want to work with Funko. Sadly, they're not going to come over because the people who made them want to work there have been fired. Yeah. The, so a lot of the higher ups at Mondo, the people who started Mondo are gone. They were, they were part of this firing. Um, and a lot of people are, are hoping that they land on their feet and can start a new company, a new poster company. And um, a lot of artists are even saying that I'll follow you to that. Right. Yeah. yeah I've seen that too, but like, it sucks because they just shouldn't have to. They had such an incredible business they built. Like it just, this is crappy. Yeah. yeah. This I, is legitimately a, a, a horrible, horrible situation. I want to say that when we heard that Funko bought Mondo, it should have been a match made in heaven. Yeah. That's what because, we thought. Yeah. Because once again, Funko is this giant company. They have God knows how much money in the bank. They could easily give a Mondo more resources. Hell, I probably would have finally been able to buy a Mondo poster. I would love to own Mondo posters. I don't because a, they just don't pop up. They're expensive. They're hard to find. It sucks. Well, they're not That's expensive cool. when you buy them, to be honest with you. Like, they're usually generally like 40 to 60 for the what would be like the general mm-hmm. version. And then, like, color variants and foil variants will go up above that. But, like, 40 to 60 is fairly reasonable for the incredible piece of art poster that you're getting. Uh, yeah. The resales, those get out of control. Again, yeah. the addition size. Yeah. But even like you said, there's like a limited print run. They don't, it's not a massive printing thing. And I would love to buy, I would love to buy stuff from Mondo. Every time I see their stuff, like when you get, when I go to Sparks or Brandon's house, houses, I see those incredible posters. I look at those incredible vinyls. I'm like, man, these are really freaking cool. When I see them at Comic-Con, I'm just like, damn, I wish I had money in my budget to buy something for these guys. Cause it's so freaking cool. Yeah. Now that Funko has gutted them. I'm like, screw you guys. So, I'm at, oh, I'm sorry, Ben. I, I was just going to essentially say that if I find out that 
artists who work at Mondo moved over, like say the guys who started Mondo create a new company Wanda. and they're doing and they're doing like posters or something else. I would follow I would do the exact same thing. I'd give them my money. I'd give them my money as opposed to Funko. So a few days before this this news dropped, Mondo posted a thing. It was this Thursday at 6 p.m. Uh, join us for another live Mondo happy hour featuring our creative directors, blah, blah, blah. Um, this is kind of the thing that they, this is kind of a celebration of their stuff. They do a lot of online stuff, a lot of promotion, a lot of kind of uh, experience. They had a Mondo con even. They've, they've had a Mondo con for years. They have yeah. their own convention that, that people go to and buy a shit ton of this product. A day later, after that tweet, they said, we're, po- we're postponing this to a later date. Appreciate the flexibility. And then the day after that, this news dropped. Right. Aye, aye, aye. It's really crappy. It's really shitty. Funko is making a bad decision, and they're dumb, and they're stupid, and I don't support it, and I think that they're shitheads. And Mondo is great, and I do feel like the team can potentially land on their feet, but the tough part is that they're going to have to start all over again about working out the licensing deals. Even these artists that want to follow them, they have to have new conversations with all the people to license the film properties in order to get these posters made. Yeah. Yes, Ben. If I may, um, going to the fact that Funko also decided to dump thirty million dollars worth of product in a landfill because they can't sell it—that is extremely note for note what Atari did back 18. in nineteen eighty-three. Hell yeah! Which started to lead to the North American video game crash of nineteen eighty-three. Now, I'm not saying this is going to eventually lead to a Funko crash of two thousand twenty-three. But damn, the history is there, and shit no, is we, getting weird. We always knew this was going to happen. Fun- Funko, what Funko got really large and really big, and you know, people early on were comparing them to Beanie Babies, and yeah. I don't think that was a bad comparison even then because they are collectibles that everybody wants and can find, and um, and then and they're being sold for a lot of money in some cases, and it, but eventually that will pop it always does it, it, funko was not indestructible no company is <laughs> i see what you did uh, there. thank you um uh the the um the the no company is too big to fail this was always an inevitability that they would lose money they would have a bad quarter um they're they're either their stock is just getting too expensive or they made too much um of they're making too much of things that people are just never gonna buy yeah nobody like three people want the sharon carter funko guys i was literally about to to say you don't need to make 250 sharon carter who who are the most funkos in that landfill it's got to be like ages of shield characters and like who's like a tv show no one watches like oh everybody's got a funko these days literally everybody yeah i mean and so like all the kids from it like uh, nobody needed a funko of all the kids from it and like the problem isn't that like you know yes the problem is that like collectors would because the there was there was a reseller market for funko that was horrible uh people would buy the collection of all the characters from it and sell them for a thousand dollars and there you go um that's not exactly the the example but it's just it's not the problem isn't necessarily that, that they lost money in my view. The problem is the company that they took it out on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. That is the problem. This is called the loss, but instead they were like, we're going to take this out of Mon- Mondo. And I'm like, Mondo did nothing wrong. Mondo, yeah. absolutely, like comparatively on the scale of company and resources and product created, makes you more money. 
Yes. Guaranteed. Like Funko makes more money, but Funko makes more things. Oh, yeah. And Mondo definitely sells more percentage-wise of the market that they make. Quality over quantity. Quality over quantity. I mean, that that is Mondo. I mean, Mondo's posters are always so gorgeous and they they were made to be limited edition collector's items. Like they're because they're not professionally produced posters. They're not the posters that the studio is going to put in the movie theaters. They no. should be, but they're not. They're meant to be the collectible like the collector's items of like, hey, you really like the Wolfman? Here's a they're, really cool poster about the Wolfman. They're Man. literal art pieces. Yeah. Yes, they mm-hmm. are art pieces. Like I know I mentioned Brand Brand's Godzilla one, but that Godzilla poster, I will never forget when I first saw it at that Comic Con when Brandon showed it to me, I was so envious because I thought that was so cool of how just the destruction of this building turned into the shape of Godzilla. I yeah. really shouldn't have bought that one too. Like not not that I shouldn't have because I'm glad I did, but like I definitely accidentally cut that line. Um, I didn't. I just. I didn't know, and nobody corrected me. So I was like, "Hey, can I have this poster?" It was like, "Sure, okay." So, okay. so the funny thing is, like, I was in Paris, and I went to the cinema museum. And the very day that I went to the cinema museum, because of the time change, I didn't catch it in time, so I did not get this poster. But like hours before I went to that cinema museum, which has a whole section ded- dedicated to Millier, known for the trip to the moon, uh, short yes. film, and all that, they had dropped. This was one of their most recent ones. Oh, wow. This Voyage to the Moon piece. Let me see if I can get Ryan's computer glare off of there. But, like, it's such a great poster. Um, and, like, Mondo makes these incredible art pieces. And I... I, It's just... It's, it is the type of thing where, like, I do think the people who who found this company will bounce back. Uh, it, might, it might take them a while, but, like, people love Mondo. Like, the industry loves Mondo. And like mm-hmm. no one, like everyone realize, like knows this is a shitty thing. So like I think they will be able to to reconvene in a, in some way. And I think the hard part is starting all those those licensing yeah. conversations. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the challenge. That's but the I, uphill challenge. Yeah, I do think. But like I think like the nerdier, or I think like Disney like would love because like Disney did a bunch of shit with Mondo. Like I think like like you have the right PR people talk to each other. Like this stuff can like hey you saw what happened to us right? Let's there's just talk a, back again. There's a Mondo poster of. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway attraction. Ooh. That is one of the attraction posters they show when you walk into Disneyland. Look at right that! Now. I, I, this is obviously awful news. I have, I have hope that like you give it a year, or a couple of years, like this Wanda will be around, uh, with with you know, you know, put a bad new backers and they can make you know the great posters that they used to make. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mag is in the comics. Uh, heck, even the short films or cartoons like Looney Tunes and Batman TAS iconic episodes are literally gorgeous. Art yes, pieces. Uh, uh, you, Brandon, have a book. I do. Of all all the Mondo, like a whole Batman the Animated Series Mondo posters collection book. Yeah, it's beautiful. Their books are gorgeous. They're incredible books. Like if they you are. can't, like you know, uh, Ben, like you know, if you can't afford the posters. Get the books because those books have the posters. Uh, they're they're incredible. I hope that their publishing division is not shut down as, with this poster division. So hopefully I those books. Making, I, I doubt they're making any more books than what they already have. Sure, but right. if they're still selling those books at the same at the same price, rather than resellers selling them at an inflated I think, cost. I think they've sold out of everything that isn't the art of Mondo soundtracks book. Oh. I also uh, have I also have an art of Mondo poster book, but I, I don't do remember too. which one. 
So I'm on it's Amazon. The, it's the like first volume of the Artemond posters. I know that because it was your prize for the fifth anniversary, I believe. You're right. Yeah, that's true. So I'm on Amazon. Uh, the Art of Mondo is on, is on Amazon for $75, and the Art of That's Soundtracks is right. $26. Yeah, you can buy Art of Mondo soundtracks directly from them. Um, I don't know if the, the main book is still there. But yeah, just great, great, great shit, guys. Yeah. It's just great shit. Incredible pieces of art. Justin and I mean that literally. Uh, just Again, this is this is another case of capitalism destroys art. Yeah. And and Mondo also at one point made a deal where like like they they did this for most of the MCU uh phase 1 through 3 films and then a bunch of other things as well but like I have a few of them oh, yeah. where they put them on steelbooks. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mondo posters went on steelbooks. It's one of my favorite personal ones. I actually have the Sleeping Beauty uh animated film is this incredibly gorgeous Mondo poster steelbook uh that I have. Yeah. Love it. You've given me or what you, everyone here has probably given me, I have like a Spider-Man one, a Doctor Strange. Like I got, yeah, Mondo loves Comic-Con. They're great. Rest in peace. Mondo Comic-Con posters are incredible, <sighs> yeah. All right. Disney. Some fluffy stuff before we get to the sad stuff. Fluff. Fluff them up. Marvel Voices Pride 2023 is coming. Uh, a lot of cool stuff, so I'm just going to read through what that book is going to have. Um, obviously, we know at this point what the Pride Vo- what the Pride Voices comics are. Very similar to the DC Pride. This is just how Marvel celebrates. Um, get the scoop on an unannounced X-Men title coming later this year in a story by writer Steve Fox and artist Rosie Camp. Campy? Camp. Starring Gimmick, the breakout character from 2020's Children of the Atom. Oh, look! Th- thank you, Marvel, for not giving up on that book. That's really cool. I really yeah. liked. I really liked um, Children of the Atom, and uh, and Gimmick was a cool character. So this is yeah. actually really exciting for me. Yeah, that is cool. An all new hero takes on the mantle of Nightshade to protect her Chicago community in a rousing tale by writer Stephanie Williams and an exciting new artist. Love it. I love. Uh, 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 I love Chicago. My mom lives in Chicago. I love uh, getting a, Chicago's getting a new hero. I'm about it. Writer Sarah Gailey makes their Marvel Comics debut with a story starring Black Cat. Join Felicia Hardy at New Orleans Pride, where she has a fierce encounter with the Thieves Guild. But this time, she's out for more than riches. Like it. Sounds spicy. Television writer Shadi Petoskey, who's apparently written The Sandman, the show, not the comic. Uh, pens her first Marvel comic story. Wiccan and Hulkling are on a much-needed getaway when the beloved couple finds themselves stranded. Luckily, they befriend an all-new superhero who lends a helping hand. Sounds good. Sounds I cool. like Wiccan and Hulk- Hulkling a lot, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Author H.E. Edgman Ed, Ed, Edgman yeah, introduces a brand new symbiote character. It's also the summer of symbiotes coming. Oh yeah! Uh, they always, oh, there was the big old poster of like, look at the forty-eight titles this is going to cross over into. Yeah, and I was like, cool. Hey, hey, uh, don't, don't. You just read a bunch of symbiote stuff. I did. Do we have some new um, scream, Scree- shriek, shriek? There's oh, also scream know. and shriek. They're both. Those yeah. are both true. I don't know. Scream. Do we have some new scream? No. I can look up the poster. I forgot to put it in here, honestly. <laughs> yeah, because like, if they were going to pick up some of the trail that they left off on on scream, I'd be to- totally into that because it. Like I said, that was a surprisingly good comic that they had to drop. Unless you uh, the, the, 
basically uh, all the pride stuff they they said um not quite going as hard as like DC did this year but you know putting out this really solid comic book with some really interesting uh characters and stories yeah so what we got Ryan that's yellow but she's like that's like boobage there's a lot of boobage in this one a lot of boobies in this in this, this crazy <laughs> uh this looks like a lot of I don't know what the hell's going on looks cool though are the titles on the bottom he's got like a beach ball are the titles on the bottom uh oh my god we got venom carnage extreme venomverse death of the venomverse edge of venomverse carnage reigns the cult of carnage misery and red goblin okay that's a lot of red goblin uh i read that gold goblin book that book's awesome but that's a chris camel book yeah i don't know about red goblin yet i read his first issue of star of star trek defiant cantwell's it's so good yes so good. can't miss uh, he brings back Row and Lore and Worf all in a team together. I'm like, oh, baby, you get Love it. it. Love it. Star Wars. Damon Lindelof and Justin Britt Gibson have exited their Star Wars film. Uh, they were writing a Star Wars film and they are no longer writing that Star Wars film. Not Lindelof. Uh, Charmaine Obeyed Chinoy is still slated to direct. Uh, they were directing the film when Lindelof was writing it. Okay. Peaky Blinders creator Stephen Knight will take over writing the script. Hmm. Oh, I wonder if it was maybe just a scheduling thing. Oh, okay. I thought the, the adult movie isn't canceled. It's just Lindelof. No. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Creative well, differences. Yeah. I'll been. believe there's a Star Wars movie when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. The rumor has it that they're going to announce three at, at Star Wars Celebration next month. Whatever. <laughs> so they can cancel on the next three six months. Cool. Yeah, that doesn't even the announcement doesn't mean shit because they already canceled Rogue Squadron. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Star Wars Skeleton Crew, which is the um This I John, actually John Watts. John Watts TV show that's uh I think done filming. Um and we're just now finding out that the Daniels uh directed an episode the oscar winning directors the daniels yeah that's why we're finding out have directed an episode of skeleton crew I, I have no problem with this that sounds fun yeah uh i guess directors are are really fun and they seem really excited about it. they really like star wars so like yeah let's do it i mean i'm excited about that one yeah um uh, and the rest the disney lucasfilm the disney yeah the disney lucasfilm this is kind of like lucasfilm because as you guys know, Lucasfilm was not just Star Wars. Maybe someone should well, tell Bob Iger that though. It used to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, Disney Plus, the Indiana Jones Disney Plus project of the series and movie. We weren't quite sure what it was going to be. We heard series. We weren't sure though. Uh, is now rumored to not be moving forward. Now this is all rumor, by the way. It's all speculation. It's all coming from YouTube uh, people. Um, but it's rumored to, to not be going forward and that Disney has apparently told Lucasfilm to only focus on Star Wars content going forward and not any of their other IP. I'll yawn. Well, I mean, okay. Uh, with with another Indiana Jones movie coming out uh, and that I, I can understand them being, all right, we're going to put a pause on Indiana Jones because we've got a brand new movie. That'll be the focus and then we'll be paused on Indiana Jones for a while. So I get that. But everything else, like, you know, they canceled Willow, like, oh, that, that's Lucas, right? So, yeah, like, yeah. like they are the Star Wars company, but, like, you, like they might, it, it does feel like they want to, they want to be more. That doesn't mean that they can't come up with a new idea, yeah. a new IP. But, like, I don't think you need to just, like, they can't even get a Star Wars movie out, though. So, like, I don't even know what what we're, what we should do. But I don't okay. think the right 
call is to say, hey, film studio, you are now only a Star Wars machine. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. What's up, Ben? I hate this. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, because, look, I get it. Lucasfilm is Lucasfilm because of Star Wars. Get it. That's the bread and butter. That's what makes them run. But at the same time, there are people out there who may be tired of Star Wars. I'm not saying I am. I'm lo- I love Star Wars, obviously. But at the same time, seeing what Lucasfilm can do outside of Star Wars, I think is a breath of fresh air. Uh, I loved Willow. I loved the fact that I loved that Willow series. I had a great time watching it. I also enjoyed the original. I was like, hey, this is what Lucasfilm can do. Obviously, Indiana Jones, great adventure films. This is what Lucasfilm could do besides the big ones. And the fact that Disney wants them to only focus on Star Wars, I think is a waste of talent. I mean, granted, not to say that you cannot tell great stories in Star Wars. Obviously, you can. But to be perfectly honest, there comes a time and place where you get sick of Star Wars after a while. You want to go. It's like it's exactly what Sala says in the in the Dial of Disney trailer. I miss the desert. I miss the sea. I miss all these things. Whereas like part of me was really hoping and looking looking forward to what other stories that Lucasfilm could tell just besides we're going back to Star Wars because Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at it like it, it, not, not you got to look at it. You almost kind of wonder if Iger is looking at it like Lucasfilm and Marvel are similar are similar. Marvel only does Marvel movies, only does superhero movies. They don't have anything else, um, which makes sense because that's that's their only IP. They've only got Marvel mm-hmm. comics as an IP. But Lucasfilm doesn't just have Star Wars as its IP. It has Indiana Jones and Willow. Admittedly, that's not a lot of IP. It's only three different projects. And Star Wars has been a global juggernaut for decades. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, I totally get, like, yeah, you want to focus on getting that Star Wars movie out. Because there is no Star Wars movie on the horizon, not really. Um, You want to focus on maybe moving Star Wars away from being exclusively on television. But limiting them is where i have the i really have the problem there because like i would like to see an indiana jones tv series selfishly like i i don't think an indiana jones tv series i think a world a tv show set in the world of indiana jones could be very good and very fun and i want to see what what they could do there um obviously i really like willow to say that you cannot do that it's just i just don't think is the right idea mm-hmm. yeah i think what i wonder if it's a situation of they just because they can't even get a Star Wars movie out right now. Maybe they just really want to focus all, like, put all their ducks in a row and, like, all right, we just really need to get the next Star Wars movie out. No bullshitting anything else. Everyone focus on making the next thing as good as it can be. Because right now, like, they, like, with, you know, how, how Disney Plus is doing, like, they need a Star Wars movie to be a hit, especially after Rise of yeah. Skywalker, right? Like, so I think it is just of like, they just want to creatively focus as hard as they can on what the next project should be, even though. There's no reason like you can't make multiple movies at once. This is a huge corporation. Yeah. But like that's what my thinking is. Kevin Feige um, makes makes four movies a year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 well yeah. Uh, the quality, to, yeah. To kind of play devil's advocate a bit to my own point per se, if they are doing what Ryan said, as in like, hey, let's just like let's just focus on Star Wars stuff for now and then we'll focus on the other things in the future. Great that i'm that i have no qualm with because my first honestly when i first read this it to me i translated as they don't care about the other ip they're just gonna put indiana jones out and then after that that's it only star wars yeah um i hope that's not the case i hope just like ryan what you said they want to make the next star wars thing as the best thing they could put out the as good as it can be 
And then once they finally get that up and running and they put that on the airwaves, then they can focus on the other stuff. I hope that is the case. I mean, there's also a case that like, you know, Bob Iger is not going to be the CEO forever. His return is only like two or three years, I believe. I thought it was five years. Oh, maybe it's five. But either way, when he leaves, Lucasfilm, the next, someone else could give Lucasfilm, like, hey, don't focus on Star Wars. Focus on Indiana Jones. Make Indiana Jones a big property. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there's always the case that, like, the changing of the guard can mm-hmm. can change I mean, this dynamic. Um, we right. still have an Indiana Jones game coming out either this year or, or next year. Like, that is that game has been in development for a long time. So, like, yeah. we are getting something else Indiana Jones related after the movie. Um, and again, like, they don't... Lucas doesn't have as many IP as, as these other as a lot of other companies. So it's like they do you I, I don't it's it's a weird situation. Like I don't want them to feel forced to make another Indiana Jones just because it's the only thing they have. You know? Right, yeah. It's it's a it's that kind of situation. They don't have enough IP to really branch out from the other things they can do. So like I understand wanting to focus on Star Wars for now. Um because again, like I yeah, an old school Indiana Jones TV show would be great, but like would that would that sell would that sell for them as, as just another movie? Like I don't I don't if know. You Ke- if you put Kiwi Kwan in it, it would. Yeah. Oscar winning Kiwi Kwan. Yeah, Oscar winning is, really helps. Yeah. yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, anyway. Yeah. All right. Sad news once again. Oh, boy. Um, well, this has, been a, this has been a roller coaster of good news and sad news. Good news, sad yeah. news. Conflicting news, I'll say. <laughs> oh, it's Victor- sad. It's, it's sad. Victoria Alonso. Um, the uh, person we mentioned before, um, she is the president of. She was sorry. She was the president of physical post production and VFX and animation. It's a lot at Marvel Studios. She has been fired. Um, the decision was made by Alan Bergman. Yeah, Alan Bergman. Um, uh, who who uh, Kevin Feige answers to him, so he's Kevin Feige's boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Feige was not involved in this decision. However, he did not intervene to stop it. Um, they were pretty clear on that. Uh, since then, I'm just going to read some some of the conflicting reports that have come out uh, since this this firing because there's 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 a bunch of things here. Uh, first, it was reported that she was singular singularity responsible for the toxic work environment for VFX artists. Someone uh, took to took to the internet and took to uh, talking about how. Um, she ha- she played favorites with, fa- with VFX artists. She she the, we've talked a lot about we've talked be- before and and many people talk about VFX artists being abused by Disney uh, and and uh, sorry Marvel Studios specifically. And uh, they were saying she is is the reason. It, it is her fault only. Um, that was, however, refuted by a few VFX artists. A senior VFX artist specifically, uh, a couple of actors also came out and said that she was a wonderful person to work for. There have um, also there's also been a lot of people saying like I know specifically you and I who follow Joanna Robinson who has a book coming out about Marvel Studios and talked to a lot of people who work at Marvel Studios and is yeah. like this is completely contrarian to everything I've ever heard about Victoria Alonso. Yeah, yeah, um, that's what I was uh, getting at like the idea that like this felt like someone wanted to make a scapegoat. Um, so and then THR reported that she was fired because she was she continued to work on a film called Argentina 1985 after she was told not to, which went against Dis- uh, Disney's comp- competition clause. Mm-hmm. Uh, standards and business conduct uh, stand. Sorry, this violates Disney standards of business conduct that states employees do not work for competing studios. This was an Argentinian film uh, d- uh, produced by Amazon Studios. 
Her attorney, however, says this is ridiculous and that she was fired because she refused to, quote, do something she believed was reprehensible. Disney quoted quoted back saying Disney and Marvel made a poor decision. Uh, sorry, she says this is the lawyer says Disney and Marvel made a poor decision that will have serious consequences. There is a lot more to the story. However, Disney fired back and denied this, saying that this allegation was ridiculous. Obviously, yeah. they would. Uh, Alonzo's attorney also said that she's going to tell the details of the story in the proper forum at the proper time, which to me, because it, they also say the line about consequences, sounds like there's going to be a lawsuit for wrongful termination. Um, if it's that she was asked to do something she considered reprehensible and then was fired for not doing it, um, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, this sucks. This is shitty. Um, I think it's there's something rotten in the state of Denmark, friends, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> for Marvel Studios. There's certainly that, or at least like the Disney engine with Marvel Studios. Um, it, I don't think it's, there's no way for me not to see it as kind of a blow to um, Kevin Feige's rep that he let her go, he let her get fired without a word. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this doesn't look good for our boy. Um, no, it just doesn't. doesn't. Um, she, the, 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 the actual, what it sounds like the truth about her involvement with the VFX artist was that she was trying to help their situations. Um, because like, the thing is the, the, I was, I deliberately chose the word scapegoat because there was a feeling that she was going to be used as a scapegoat because of all the heat coming down from VFX artists, uh, because there's been multiple anonymous VFX artists talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania's working conditions um, in Black, but even Black Panther Wakanda Forever, a lot of those people moved on. There's even a joke about that very thing in She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Um, yeah. And so like, so like you have this idea that like, sh okay, well, clearly people think there's a problem with how we, we, we treat VFX artists. Let's fire this person because she was the reason for it. And and it definitely sounds like that was maybe an initial thought, if not the outright reason for doing it. Um, and this Argentinian film just kind of felt just kind of fell into a lap and be like, actually, OK, you know what? It was this which sounds OK. So she produced another movie, a movie nobody heard of. Here's the thing. Yeah, like it's so. The scapegoat clause would be like, OK, she made another movie with another company like I on the fundamental level, I understand a non-competing clause. Sure. She didn't go to make a billion-dollar Amazon movie. She made a low-budget passion project about Argentina and the way that they deal with totalitarian dictatorships. It's a movie about, like, changing the world for the better. It's not like she's making, you know, The Lord of the Rings. She made a passion project about her country. This is the best press that movie has had. Yeah, and that movie was, like, nominated for, like, Oscar, like, like limited Oscar stuff. Like, it is it is a low-budget, like, like passion project, right? Like, yeah. also because, like, why bring the hammer down now yeah, for that? Right. When for that movie, movie that was filmed, like, two years ago or whatever, right? Like, yeah, that like, doesn't that doesn't make sense either. Yeah, uh, and, and, like, yeah, I totally believe, like, the scapegoat thing of, like, yeah, we we needed to fire someone. And, like, well, if, and you, like if she and you're it. already looking at, like, the Twitter bros and, and YouTube bros who hate the recent MCU stuff, a lot of the diversity and, and female inclusion. And they're already saying like, this is the blow to the MCU so that it can get back to being the MCU. And that's the narrative that they're running with because that's the narrative that Disney's feeding with this idea. And it's yeah. like, boy, that's awful because she was one of their leading championing voices for diversity and inclusion at Marvel yeah. studios, which is again, another reason why I'm like, Kevin, this kind of feels like one of the times 
Mr. Feige, where you put your job on the line to protect someone who's been there since the, since the Iron beginning, Man. the literal beginning. <laughs> the she she has been yeah she's been there since Iron Man, but it really felt like she was being positioned to take over Feige's role. I even speculated that years ago when Hawkeye was coming out. Uh, the fact that like Feige will move on eventually. What form that takes, we don't know. Uh, and who will take over? I I firmly felt it was going to be Victoria Alonso. And if that is the case, why didn't Feige step in? And the we've the VF the, there is widespread abuse with how Marvel Studios treats their VFX uh, their VFX people. It's clear. It needs to be addressed. They need to unionize. I'm 100% unionized VFX workers, and I believe we all are too. It's an industry problem too. It's an industry problem, yes. Um, Marvel Studios gets a lot of the heat for it because they put so many movies out a year. Yeah. Um, and to to just kind of fire someone and say like, oh, she was the reason for it. Now we'll be better for it. When that when that is not the case, like there needs to be widespread change there. And di- what Disney is doing is wanting to sweep it under the rug. And I'm sorry to put to point this out, but you know maybe Feige is complicit in the in the VFX artist abuse thing. Oh yeah, like like, and that's why he didn't, and that's why he didn't step in to be like, okay, yeah, we do need a scapegoat. It is a, it could be an unfortunate thing of because you know he is he is he is like the the top dog. He has so many things to look at. Maybe he just turns his eye to some of the things that are happening that he maybe should be paying attention to sure. because he is putting out eight to ten projects a year and he can't stop a movie getting made. He has to get those. He has to get that FF, uh, the special effects out. And like that is the shitty thing of being like someone who runs a huge corporation. Like sometimes these things do have to happen. Like and it's not good. Now when Bob Iger came back, there was there was a lot of talk about Bob Iger being kind of Sparks even said you know they were the chosen one kind of thing. And there is a sense that like he has done some things to help Marvel write the ship that write a what what people believe to be a wrong with how much they put out. There we don't know what the next show is out. We don't even know if Secret Invasion is coming out this year, although it probably is. Um so like we and so like there's less Marvel stuff coming out this year with longer breaks for and and the idea would be like it, it's for more post-production it's for more polishing and see that's the fix yeah throwing someone under the bus is not the fix yeah which again it, there might be whatever this 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 irreprehensible thing that they wanted her to her to do um like again we use more vfx artists no, no. That, that honestly could be what it is like yo we have a pipeline and you just got to tell these people to get their shit together you got to yeah. do work when you do, like and nobody like nobody wants to do that job and she has a conscience she's like i'm not gonna do that <laughs> so they're like they they got they'll get someone who will do that they'll get nate Moore to do it i mean you know like it, <laughs> certainly they're not the same but like it falls into the same territory of like the you know we don't know jonathan majors thing we don't know kevin feige but yeah. like yeah i think this is this has damaged his image to an extent to take someone who's been at your right side the whole time and you let them get fired out of this position nary a word nary a protest do you guys remember in x-men 3 when mystique gets uh gets the cure and eric immediately's like i don't know who you are anymore bye yeah yeah i'm like damn kevin oh my god (laughs) accurate let the dirt settle first come on it is it is interesting that like yeah no he, he didn't say anything and like there might that might not be true again like we don't we don't know the insights well, maybe like, like it's it, and it's going to depend on how this this plays out because like if it is potentially a, a law uh a wrongful termination lawsuit then like 
Kevin Feige letting that happen is like it's it's one thing for her to like be fired and uh you know taken out of the job but like the context of the narrative that they're building around it the fact that he's not contesting that yeah and saying like this doesn't fall on her <clears throat> alone as someone who you'd have to imagine he considered him a friend it's 20 years yeah like 20 years of working together uh and closely like sucks yeah it sucks yeah. and it's it's it has shaken my faith in like that things are okay at marvel studios yeah don't know if things are okay anymore <laughs> yeah yeah i don't i mean there's talk already about the marvel about the um the superhero uh bubble <laughs> bursting whether or not that's true or not i don't think it's less to say but there is something that maybe was always at marvel studios and we just didn't see it as prevalently until now but yeah. it is there is a there is a as, as spark said in the beginning uh, there's something rotten in Denmark. It is. It's always funny, you know, when you do this podcast long enough, like we talk about the Marvel and DC comics, how like, oh, Marvel right now is in a little bit of slump while DC's kicking ass and like they mix and match and are like, they're like, now we're like, damn, look at DC's lineup coming up. Holy shit, they're James Gunn's killing it. And like right now, Disney just fired like one of their main executives and like one of their major stars is like maybe a criminal. And it's like, oh shit, man. Well, actually, DC's got that too. What are we talking about? Yeah, DC. Everybody's a criminal on both sides. We got to wait one more year for DC to be on the good side of this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. We'll see where we'll see where the flash lands. Um, Guardians 3. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Guardians 3 is going to kick ass. Yeah. Um, yeah, this 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 was a bummer. And, and mm -hmm. honestly, like you are right, Sparks, like the thing of like, yeah, and Kevin Feige kind of didn't really have much to say about it. And I'm like, really? Like the person you've worked for this entire like that's that really I really hope that's not true. I really do. Uh, cause that's kind of effed up. That's kind of messed up. Yeah. We, I've never taken Feige. Again, I don't know him, but I've never taken yeah. him for a company man. Yeah. I mean, like but, he is like, he is the guy, but like, he doesn't seem like, he doesn't seem like that. He doesn't seem like the kind of person who would allow, throw someone on the bus, allow someone who'd done so much for the studio to, to be tossed out like yeah. this. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it just doesn't look good. Um, and I, I highly doubt that Victoria Alonso was fired for any reason that isn't absolutely batshit so um, i'm excited for her tell all man oh man she has a book coming out later this year i i doubt this will be an included part of it it's yeah. it's called possibilities or superpowers so look out for it um but uh i'm i'm eager to hear her tell her side of this yeah uh she since will, her attorney has already said that she's going to she will get another job she is she's worked for marvel studios for 20 years someone's going to scoop her up oh yeah 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 for sure it's just she cultivated People have talked about like she cultivated the inclusivity at the Marvel Studios. I wonder what that environment is going to be like right now yeah, without her yeah. at the head of it championing it. Not saying it won't, it'll stop existing, but how's it going to change? Because it will change. Yeah. That's all the unpleasantness we have for the rest of the night. Thank you, everyone. Look at that. Look at that. What a week. We do have some trailers to get through, though. And I don't think any of them are unpleasant. <laughs> Entering the so let's talk about Knights of the Zodiac. I want to talk about this. I know you put it on here, but like you're like, should we put it on here? I'm like, yes, because this looks like, like this looks, it looks exactly what it what it should be. It's a live action anime. 
Um, <laughs> yo, that is it's Greek mythology in anime form. Um, I love it. I love Sean Bean. I love this is like a like a mixed cast of you know you know uh, English and Japanese. I think that's awesome. Uh, this will probably honestly end up not being very good. Uh, but like I'm really excited. It just looks like a lot of fun. Like I love. I, it just looks like you know we watch like. We watched a cool common rider trailer we'll talk about later, but it's like dudes and cool CGI, like cool, like like oh evil Athena. It just looks like a fun, like fun dumb time, like a good anime adaptation. I was Visuals actually really cool. Yeah. I was actually glad that we were gonna that we are gonna talk about this because I had no idea this movie was being made. And I remember watching the anime on Cartoon Network years ago, and I oh, yeah. freaking love that Saint, anime. Saint Seiya. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice as Zodiac, Saint Seiya. Oh god, yeah. that was like my shit. I love that was like one of the that was like one of the animes that I loved as a kid, but I didn't know what I was watching. I just knew it was cool. It was mm -hmm. that and Cyborg 009. I loved those shows. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. yeah, Cyborg was very good. But anyway, so yeah, back to Nice to Zodiac. This I have to agree with Ryan. This looks like a live action adaptation of that anime. The armor that Asaya is wearing looks great. It looks like the Pegasus armor. It's I just unapologetic. Like yeah. it's not like, oh, it's live action. We have to re re be restrained. It's like, oh, no, no, like who cares? It's like we are dealing with some crazy shit. Like you got the reincarnation of Athena. You got a magic cloth, which is actually just just giant block. That's your armor ooh, set. Ooh, ooh. And this thing? yeah, that's the Zodiac. Same say it. That's it. That's the anime. I never saw yeah. this. Oh, dude, that was like, oh yeah. They it did. Was... A I think they did a Netflix new one. I want to say, I think, yeah, they did. I was, it's on my watch list. I've been meaning to watch it. Yeah, along with like all the other anime that I have. Oh, I've been borrowing from. Yes, Sparks. they. It, yeah, they did. And it looks like this. It was, oh, there, we go, there we go. Yeah, I did. I remember seeing seeing it on Netflix, but I've never, yeah, never committed to it. Yeah, it's a uh, CG animation. Looks a little bit like yeah. Lupin the Third. Oh. Lupin the Third, oh, okay. the first. I should I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah Um. Yeah, Mac is in the chat saying so happy that uh um Saint Say but there you go. There he is. That go back. there goes. Saint Say is still doing more content, me too. And even Grayson is saying that they have a few Netflix versions for mm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of these shows. Yeah, this looks like a just like a good uh, like a like a fun time at the movies. Yeah. Uh yeah, I, I thought this looked I'm... really interesting. I, I don't I had never I don't seen know. I so sorry about real quickly. I just I never seen the anime, but I thought this looked pretty interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I would be able to go or if I am going to make the time out to go see this in theaters, but I would definitely like to give this a watch someday. It's only in theaters for like one day, I think. So like it'll hit oh, Netflix sure, in like a month or something. Okay. If it's coming to Netflix, then sweet. I have nothing to worry about. I'm sure it will be. Yeah. From Black. Spookies. Yeah, oh, I, think for the, I think for the budget, this is visually striking. Yes, I agree. Uh, like i think the visuals are very very pronounced really cool practical like like ghost monster things yeah where, um, where and the, this idea of i'm willing to commit a ritual to see my my young one again i love hereditary um i also wanted to highlight this because friend of the podcast luigi is uh on the score work sounds good sounds sick which i found out this week when the trailer came out that's cool <clears throat> yeah so yeah. i definitely wanted to highlight it and i checked out the trailer and i'm like this looks like a cool spooky movie yeah, yeah. very effective background effects or background shots yeah as in where like the main character's focus but you see something move in the background and you, you like yeah it's yeah. like the wisping curtain over a demon kind of thing i'm like Ooh, what yeah. the hell yeah that looks pretty cool <laughs> yeah again like for the budget of this film uh i think the visuals are very strong mm-hmm it's like some conjuring shit. Like you know that what was it? Conjuring two where she's doing laundry and the the sheet goes off and you see like and it's like 
it falls on a, per, on a body of a person oh, and it flies oh. away and nothing's there anymore. It's good. It's very good. Reminded me a little bit of The Woman in Black. Mm, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Hammer Horror. Daniel Radcliffe. That's a good movie. It is. Yeah. They made a sequel Never that I didn't see. Seen. I did. Oh, that's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> I I saw a pre-screening for it because it was still in test screenings and so we got to see a pre-screening for it. Whew. Damn. That's a rough one. Well, we always have that first one. It's an even scarier two-man play if you can ever see it live on stage. Oh. Yeah, you've told me about that and I had nightmares it, after that. It's very thanks. messed up because like um uh they they it's just these two guys and it's the guy who's staying at the house and it's the guy who basically transports him over the moors of to and from the house and talking to him about it and then checking in on him and uh uh they do a very good job of hiding the woman in black and like when she appears it really scares the crap out of you and then they do this wonderful thing which is you know at the end they come out and take their bows and uh they they bow and they bow and and then uh they go on with the night and um the woman in black never gets a bow because they the actors are like there was no one else mm, yeah <laughs> what are you talking like we we created the story for you the idea of the woman in black is meant <laughs> to be present but there was no actor playing the woman in black i love it i'm gonna be perfectly real with you right now sparks yeah you telling me that story put me back to the moment you told me it the first time by the way i've never forgotten every single word you told me about that two-man play <laughs> And then, and you told me that decades ago. Yeah. And and then the light went off in your screen. Decades ago, <laughs> you told him that story twenty five years ago. I told him that story almost two decades ago. God, why are we so old? <laughs> right. And um, and then your light went out, and I got so terrified. <laughs> I was like. Oh, um, she just she just turns out of the back of John Wick's head behind oh. us. Like, <laughs> the I, yep, still think, I, I still think The Woman in Black, the movie, is one of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen. Sure. Yeah, I think this movie looks cool. From Black. Yeah, yeah From Black, by the way, we're talking about that. Shin, Common Rider, new trailer, lots of new footage this time. They just showed us a scene from the movie. <laughs> Wait, this which one did so, you watch? So violent. There, well, for, so I was looking, and there was a three-minute trailer and then a thirty-second trailer, and I watched both. What's the three-minute trailer? It's a full scene from the movie. Is it? I don't think I saw oh, a scene oh, from the movie. Got, I saw y'all. Oh, I, I saw a like bunch of hardcore rated R. I saw a bunch of like. There's an evil common writer, and there's a lot of like. There's a lot of motorcycle yeah, like stuff going on. Half trailer. Okay. Well, I watched. I watched. But I saw. I saw what you're talking. I watched about too, the fight like with the, with the spider head man. And then he fights it, and there's like there's like the spider squad, and then Common Rider. Uh, y'all, this movie is brutal. He's punching people's heads off. It is like squishy blood. It is hardcore violence. This is like the most violent thing Hidekiano's ever made. I can't believe it. He was literally punching holes through people's bodies in like blood gushers, like a, like an old Japanese samurai movie. Uh, this looks insane. I don't know. There's there's like seven trailers to watch. I suppose it looks so. Cool. I I just watched a trailer that was like closest to today like you know x mad days ago uh-huh. uh i saw the spider guy i saw the, the transforming motorcycle i did see a bunch of uh oh i did see some ultra violence and like blood there's uh, a lot we see a lot more villains in the in this minute and a half trailer where we see a lot more like there's like the spider there's like this insectoid i mean everyone they're all insect 
themed villains, but like there's this one with like like a mask on one side and just got like a giant like crab claw and um I think really interesting visually. I mean Hideki Anno has uh oh, yeah, you've seen you've seen Godzilla Shin Godzilla, even Shin Ultraman, but like really interesting visuals happening here. Um I really I really appreciate kind of what they're doing with common rider and how they're uh there's like an evil common rider like how they're kind of doing like um uh the the action scenes um uh you know really making them feel kind of energetic and almost i, I hesitate to say this but like almost kind of anime-esque um in their kind of movements and like especially like we see a couple of motorcycle chase scenes that I, I felt very much like oh this is really like this like moves um Hi. I'm going to share the screen real quick. Yeah. So uh, we're just going to watch this real quick. Look at this. Uh, hold on. I just want to look. Listen, he's he. This is so brutal. Look at so there's a it, Spider-Man audio listeners. He's kicking fools. He's punching oh, yeah. brains out. He's kicking their guts out. Uh, he just has superpowers in a way that I've never seen Comrade or have before. Uh, not that I'm very familiar, but he's just punching. Look at him. <clears throat> Every punch, it's gore. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> Come on. What's going on? Look at this. Yeah. Come on. That's cool. This is not co- y'all. So that I'm going to stop sharing the screen now. Common Rider is a children's show. This is like this is like this turning is Shin Common Rider. Yeah, this is like turning Pokémon into this is turning sorry, this is turning Power Rangers into that rated R short film with Katie Sackoff. Like PG yeah. Psycho Gorman. PG Psycho Gorman. The the writer of that movie liked one of my tweets recently for no reason. I'm like, what? Thanks, bro. (laughs) Um, I think this looks, Shin Kamen Rider looks awesome. I love Hideki Yeah, Yeah, I'm excited for this. this. Oh my God. Yeah, all the villains. I just, again, I love how it's just, yo, yeah, we're just doing Power Rangers. Uh, You know, the goofy dudes and helmets and like, you know, cool punches and poses. Love it. it. Shin uh, Kamen Rider had a, um, Saban tried to do a spinoff of Power Rangers with Kamen Rider. They called it the Mast Rider, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't last very long, but they they tried. They tried it. Tried. They tried so hard. Power Rangers. Speaking of Power Rangers, Power Rangers once and always. Go the Power Rangers. The legacy sequel to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I will say I'm I I have no positive or negative feelings on this because because I'm not it's just not for me. Um, there is one scene where you see I think I think is it Trini? Tr- yeah, Tr- Trini. Uh, that actor passed away. And then it's like uh, they they're re- they're doing like a red not a redcom but like a oh the bad guys killed my mom and I'm the daughter who's gonna get revenge and I'm like that's actually sweet I like that yeah I think yeah. that's I think that's really really sweet uh, just just to see the original blue and black rangers again uh, together on the same screen made me happy I I grew up with the original Power Rangers um you you still get that classic Power Rangers camp that's that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers camp. Um, I actually kind of like Rita's design, how she's like now a metal face, metal body. Um, yeah, like the ah, I found a new body. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I'm now, as forward as to this. far as I'm, I understand, this is we made this. This is not using Japanese footage. This is 100% American footage. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Jason David Frank and Amy Jo Johnston, Johnson decided not to return for this for unknown at this point reasons. Well, J- a- Amy Jo Johnson has been on Twitter. I retweeted something of her saying, a lot of speculation why I didn't want to come. You know, maybe I didn't want to leave my family for a month. Maybe this reason. And honestly, it's none of y'all's business, LOL. Yeah. Uh, so she kind of just, I don't think she just wanted to do it. I just don't think she wanted to do it. And I'm like, 
she was oh one of the things she's like oh i'm like i'm in my 50s i don't want to be in spandex anymore also is what she said so now well i i i'm 100 like yeah okay it makes sense why amy joe johnson wouldn't want to do it it's weird that jason david frank didn't want to do it because he does everything when it comes yeah. to power rangers um he's doing that fan film the white dragon fan film um so what was it about this that he decided not to come back for that's weird honestly it is weird yeah, yeah. i don't know um I don't want to. I don't want to believe it was a money issue. Like I don't think that would have been the issue. Because like again, he's and he's done like fan stuff. So. Fan stuff, yeah. Um, yeah. It could have just been you know again scheduling or just like he just he didn't feel it was strong enough for him for Tommy. You know, like I don't. To know. to be honest, like my assertion just in reading that was that just based on this trailer, I just don't think it was a very good script. Mm. I don't mean to be mean. It does feel but like this a, looks yeah. like a Power Rangers thing from the early '90s, and I don't mean that in a nice way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I was more I was more not positive, but like I liked that they were going for the we're keeping it kind of cheesy '90 aesthetic. But like that definitely the aesthetic not, is fine. Yeah, it's the script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dialogue in this yeah doesn't sound good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I will agree with you there sparks the dialogue does the dialogue does seem very cheesy no, in the 90s. no yeah usually when you are sorry i'm letting a cat in um usually when you are revisiting a property this many years later you're like kind of elevating bringing it. it up and elevating it into the age uh rather than just like doing verbatim the story kind of thing material of what it was and uh to me it just seemed very interchangeable with the stuff of the 90s uh from a script point. Yeah, I mean, Jason David Frank did a trailer for the Power Rangers comic book. Yeah. So, yeah, I think probably Sparks is correct. Like, it just, you know, it just, the script wasn't there. Um, I, I would believe that because Jason David Frank is very protective of Tommy specifically. He's very protective of Power Rangers and won't, um, and, and like, he really didn't like the, um, that uh, R-rated uh, tr- uh, proof of concept thing that we that we just that we talked about a bit ago because yeah. of how he felt to destroy the the what Power Rangers is supposed to be. Um, I liked it. Um, I but, it's a fun a fun thing. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Katie Sackhoff is in, and I like her. Yeah. Um, I am curious about this, but Power Rangers is certainly something I've talked about before when, it, when we talked about the 2017 film. I don't really have a lot of nostalgia for anymore. Um, I definitely was really big into Power Rangers as a kid, but like a lot of what I was, a lot of my Power Rangers nostalgia, unlike a lot of things I was into as a kid, it's just not not really there anymore. Yeah, same. Yeah. So it's yeah, it looks fine. I mean, it's cool to see them in back in the trailer, and I'll probably will give this the give this a watch if I have the time. But yeah, I mean, it's not high up on the priority list, but it is cool to see them back again. Sure. Gamera Rebirth. We got our first trailer. How happy are you? I'm pretty happy. Um, there is, I expected the animation because I found out not long ago that the director of the Gamera of this of these Gamera episodes is the director of the Godzilla Earth trilogy. Sure. Um, luckily, though, it's not Polygon Studios ma- making the making the show. It's a different animation studio, um, and I do think the animation looks a bit better. Um, the I facial agree. animation is is working for me in this one, where it wasn't in the Godzilla Earth trilogy. Yeah, I but agree. What, yeah, what we always talk about though, with when it comes to this kind of CG CG animation, is how good the monsters look. And boy, does Gamera look good! Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be honest, Brandon. Uh, 
this is probably the most I've been interested in a Gamera thing. Yeah. I think this looks awesome. Uh, yeah. I do. I, I am. I am not totally in love with the with the people. Like it is like it is better than the normal the normal Netflix grab. But like it's still not what I wish. It could just be two D. But you know, I'm. Yeah. It's not. It's not gonna you know ruin it for me or anything. But man, like Gamera looks like like they gave him an upgrade of like yo, what, let's make him look mean. Yo, let's Shin Godzilla this guy up. He looks sick, and the score and the music's great. His scream is great. I love all the different kaiju designs. Uh, I will. I I'll, I'll probably check this out. This looks awesome. So we with this trailer we got the reveal that the we already knew that the first monster was gauss um his kind of like arch nemesis uh, by default um and we now know that jiger is going to be in the movie um another showa era villain um but he's gotten a massive upgrade and it looks awesome i lo- i love his new design um this i <sighs> Ryan, like, you really like the Gamera trilogy from the '90s. I'm sure. If you I'm want sure. Shin Gamera, that was Shin Gamera, baby. Does he look mean in those? Yeah, he does. He looks right, mean. I, like me. in I those. love me again. Like, I love me a mean-looking Godzilla. Because so in the, he progressively evolves through the movies, and by the third one, he's a vicious boy. I'm into it. All right, all right. Um, what we see here is actually kind of a really nice blend of that uh, of of that '90s Gamera, and what I really like about this trailer is that it does kind of feel spiritually in line with those 90s films where it could theoretically be a sequel to it i know one kid says um you know gamma uh, does mention gamma by name implying that gamma has been in this universe before um <laughs> which so it, it's entirely possible that there could be some at least spiritual connection to the 90s films um and i, I and jiger's design being so reminiscent of the aesthetic of those 90s films do give me uh, kind of an interest and be like oh well perhaps we are riffing off of that and yeah um we see him flying gamera normally flies like a kind of like a spiral like he has jets coming out of his holes <laughs> and he's yeah. like spinning around but uh, uh later in the 90s films they introduced the idea of like these fins that allow him to fly and glide and we see that in this trailer and i think that looks really good i think ryan you're right that gamera himself looks awesome his powers yeah. are, are so like his fireball looks good his flight looks really interesting and energetic i'm i'm really happy with this yeah i, I am i am i was very surprised not that i thought it was gonna be bad but i'm like oh hell yeah i'm like i'm into it yeah sparks did you want to say anything no i think it looks good um yeah. i i'm glad that the face stuff i don't think it's as uh i don't think the human animation is as bad certainly as the godzilla earth trilogy or the pacific rim the black uh anime either mm-hmm. um so it's it's a step in a better direction from those two properties so um and i i really like the kaiju it reminds me of the singular point kaiju animation so i'm really happy to see it hell yeah, yeah. ben but yeah, honestly, even, even more finer detailed sorry yeah ben gamera looks cool i okay. don't know much about camera sorry <laughs> i don't either well, now's the perfect time well that's what that's what's really interesting about the series is that it's kind of this will be the most um, accept, uh, uh, not accepted, um, accessible, accessible way that people can experience Gamera. And so, so the plot also came out, the plot synopsis also came out and it's horribly translated and awful, but the gist of it is there's these four boys who are stuck in Tokyo when the summer of monsters starts. And so that's the idea that Gamera will start by fighting Gauss, then Jaeger, then the next three monsters, mm-hmm. fighting three 
reimagined monsters for this new series and he will progressively get more and more hurt so he'll so the battles will become more difficult as the series goes on for Gamera and I think that's a really cool idea that we're consecutively doing one monster after the next and Gamera has to constantly be in a fight with just one after the other I'm into it I'm excited to watch it but I'm more excited for you to have it oh thanks yeah um maybe i can find like maybe 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 we can find a way to do the camera trilogy and lead up for this no i don't be crazy i do think you guys like it oh oh, yeah i'm sure star wars jedi survivor this game looks good i'm I'm, first of all i'm I'm really excited that there's more marin in this because like i wasn't worried she was not going to be in the game or anything but like i was i i i just love that 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 night sister night sister that's what it's called yeah that's sister yeah Yeah, i love them i love that um combat looks like an improvement like the, the the visuals look really great um i'm just curious this the way that this trailer talked about it sounds like they're setting up like the path stuff from like obi-wan or or like the way or like whatever the jedi like passage like we found a place where we can survive away from the empire uh so i wonder if they're going to be building some of that with cal uh some of the stuff we're seeing even in like the mandalorian that we most recently saw um yeah i think this looks like a great sequel so i got jazz oh this is this is the best i got jazz because of this trailer because we are being introduced to the character that i believe all the clone tube stuff we were seeing the guy that we were so interested we were so like, what is going on with this story that now we have an indication? So there's this guy in this trailer who's holding a stormtrooper helmet and he says, how could you let uh, the galaxy fall to this pathetic empire? Yeah. He appears to be a clone of a High Republic Jedi. Oh. Um, he has the High Republic crest on his uh, outfit. And a lot of people have pointed out that he is... He is seemingly in line with someone who apparently is existing in the books but like in a tertiary way Um, so like this 200 year old so not that he's alive still but that he has been cloned but he has his memories yeah but like from from the high republic so like someone from 200 years ago is now in our modern era with the empire taken over and he's like how did you let this happen so an antagonistic Uh, force and the most interesting part of this story to me is that there is a high republic jedi existing in this story yes boy that'd be really cool yeah, I mean, I was wondering why one of them had a lightsaber, like a, that yellow lightsaber with the extra with the hilt on it. Yeah, kind of like kind of mm-hmm. like Kylo Ren's, but not as crazy. And yeah. I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah, now so this has me the most like, excited I, about this has me the most excited about the story because it does seem that we're getting some kind of force, potentially antagonistic force, out of this long, long back. Uh, perspective on the galaxy and the Jedi who's now thrust into the age of the Empire. Uh, and I'm way, way into that idea. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really cool. I'm really into that. Uh, I do think Ryan is is probably on the money that we're seeing kind of the beginning of the path uh, mm-hmm. in the, in this that we saw in Obi-Wan. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Cal Kestis was involved in that uh, yeah. prior to the events of Obi-Wan. Ooh something in combat that really got me excited we all just played god of war ragnarok and you know how there's 
companionship happening in that game there's yeah. a scene where like there's like you and marion are doing cool yes. shit and then you and that other guy who, who's like not oscar isaac is doing cool shit and i'm like oh shit we got a companion game i love me companion games i, I love to see it I'm, I'm very intrigued by by all this story setup now i'm very very into it with this story trailer mm. out now i'm uh I'm fully, fully like prepared and on board oh. for whatever's going on. Here. Ooh, another really cool thing. I showed you this when, when it was announced, but um the villains, um, we don't know their names, but they're like they're they got like weird like purpley nose, like they're like purple looking aliens in armor. Those guys are the same bad guys from the Clone Wars, the the original Kartakovsky animated series. Remember Dirge? The, the, Remember Dirge? Dirge the, dude the gladiator who morphs? That's his yeah, th- those guys are from his race, and this is the first time we're seeing them in like in a form like this. Did that did that click with you, Ben? Do you know who we're talking about? Dirge. She rides okay. motorcycles. Jendi Tartakovsky's Obi Wan fights a guy who carries a lance, and he when he breaks out of his armor, he's basically just a bunch of tentacles. He's Akira. Ah, he doesn't remember. Okay, remember. Well, this dude's species. Yeah, Dur. His okay. name's Dirge from Tartakovsky's Clone Wars. Yeah, uh, found that out. Very cool. Super hyped for this game now. Um, so excited. Love it. Renfield. Renfield. I mean, we talked about the TV spot last week, but I'm glad this trailer came out. Um this I'm 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 down, guys. I'm super this looks down. like this oh. looks like yeah. I remember him now. Oh yeah, that guy. I, yeah, I just yeah. I just looked him up. Oh Dirt. by the way, that's not his first time in canon. He was he showed up in the Star Wars comics. <laughs> yes, Hell he yeah. Did. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, um so Renfield, again, the I think this looks awesome. The only thing I'm still rubbing up against is like there are multiple scenes where he's being a superhero fighting bad guys. And I was like, what is the context of this? That there so are what it multiple seems... criminal like gangs. So what like... it seems like is Ben Schwartz is playing the bad guy. Yeah. And that he is leading a gang that learns that this dude has vampire power. Okay. He wants vampire power. But the first time, it's not that. It's just like it's just no, no, like, no. It's just a thing in a in a bar. Yeah, yeah. But it, that's the thing that makes him aware. So he's oh, sending okay. goons after this guy to get this guy, so okay. he can get the kind of power he has. All right. I'll Potentially lie. a face to face with Dracula. I don't. This is me speculating yeah, based yeah. off what this trailer gives us. But like, I got. I, it just looks good. And, oh, yeah. and like the violence going back to Common Rider, like the violence oh, yeah. in this of the ripping of the arms and everything. I kind of love it. It's it's like it's like modern B horror movie. Yeah. The only thing I really want to say about this is that there was one specific joke that really killed me. And it's when, it's when, oh, thank you, Renfield. Oh, you're, God bless you, nuns. Thank you, nuns. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah. really, his delivery specifically, oh, God bless you, nuns. It's really funny. Uh, uh, yeah. Besides, uh, again, that's not a criticism. It's just I, like a weird note. I think this movie looks really fun. I really inventive. I actually, speaking of jokes that are good in the trailer, I really like the bit where he's like dismembering a guy's body and falling down, and being like, "Yeah," <laughs> and then she's like, "You know how like people will say that they've been through way worse." Today with you right now, this is my way worse. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. such an an interesting movie because this is like a a high budget like quasi superhero dracula movie like it's such an interesting type of genre movie uh that nicholas holt just always seems to find himself in like that dude is awesome he he does so much weird shit uh I love i'm that dude. i'm really glad that it seems like a modern b movie with horror and comedy as the mixed genre yeah i'm super into it me too yeah. <laughs> all right main topic it's time yeah It was mid. (laughs) 
10,000. Oh, Here real quick, Brandon, have you yeah. seen The Way of Water is up to 7K now? <laughs> just no, like didn't. the real Avatar, it's making money when no one paying attention. It keeps rising. Wow. It just keeps rising. People keep watching that review. I don't know why. All right. Um, the sea rises. Rise. So we're going to be talking about John Wick, Chapter 4, the fourth film in the John Wick franchise, Keanu Reeves, directed by Chad Stahelski, written by Shay Hatton and Michael Finch. This is their first time writing the, 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 the fran in the franchise. Um, we actually talked about it when I believe Derek Kolstad was taken off the project. Um, and then they came on board. So, full spoilers if you have not seen John Wick Chapter 4, you know, it's up to you, but I would prefer you not to watch this anymore. Um, I think you should see a better movie, Shazam Fury of the Gods, but that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just being a, a goofy, goofy goofster. I should have seen that movie, I would have heard about it less. Um, yeah. So <laughs> sometimes I crack myself up. Um, so, uh, so full spoilers: if you have not heard, if you have not seen the movie, uh, you know, pause it, go watch it, pause this, go watch that that movie, uh, and then come back and check us out. Um, so, what do we think about John Wick, Chapter Four? I loved it. All right, Ben. To the surprise of no one, I also loved it. Yeah, and you just watched chapter three too, so you had three to four. Yeah, um, I, went, I went directly. I went directly from number three to number four, and I have to say, I do agree. Three, not the best, still good, not the best of the John he Wick films. He wasn't on the review for that. I, no, I remembered wasn't. last minute. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sparks uh, may just be the best of the John Wick franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I agree with it being the best. I still like two a lot. Um, it's it's this and two, and yeah. right now I'm kind of leaning towards this. I, um, but this is excellent, really, yeah. really excellent. So the when I first saw heard about the three hour runtime, I'm like, that's a long ass action movie. Because um, one of the complaints that I have with three is, despite all the action being good. I don't think it, it all serves a story and there's some like repetitive stuff where it's like, I don't feel it's progressing as much. This movie being three hours, surprisingly, the pace I think is incredible. Mm -hmm. There's there's so much, because it has so much more runtime, there's so much more story, but there's also so much more action and the flow between them is like perfect. Like it, it's, it feels like I didn't, I didn't, like obviously you feel three hours. That's a long time. You do anything for three hours, you feel it. But like I was enjoying every minute of this movie. I think you're absolutely right that the idea that like, what this runtime allows it to do is include more of that kind of emotionality that was missing in the third film. Um, you know, we're, we're, we kind of bring back the kind of the John Wick from the first film, because the first film is really, is really different than, than the next three. Um, yeah. It's a lot more dramatic. There's a lot less action in it. Um, and we find, we get a little bit more of that drama put back into the franchise, put back into this movie. We have a lot of, you know, characters being, extrapolated on expanded on some, some that would not get the chance to be and this cast isn't they just introduced a new character i feel for every new character that was introduced and every villain is super cool um that's what the three hour long time allows you to do and if it's paced well enough i don't care yeah i i think it will, is paced well no i will say i didn't realize about the almost three hour runtime until i was looking up times for the movie today and I was kind of shocked. I was like, damn, this is going to go that long. But like Ryan said, you don't feel the runtime necessarily. Everything, the only time where I was really feeling was like, oh, I'm 
part of me was hoping the movie would end quick so I could, you know, go to the restroom. But <laughs> yeah. besides that, I, it did not feel like a three-hour movie. It didn't feel like a slog. I wasn't taken out of the action. There were so, so many amazing shots. If I were to say any sort of negative about Chapter 4, it's that you can definitely tell that, I mean, I, you can definitely tell there's going to be a big action sequence coming up. Like there's, it's like action story beat, action story beat. But even though you can tell something is about, like, for for example, like 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 we said, full spoilers, right? Oh yeah. Um, for example, when the rules are set for the duel, and John is getting dressed, and then the hit goes out, the bount the bounty on his head rises, and everyone, and you know, it's like if this isn't good, this isn't going to be easy for him to get to the church. It's going to be a absolute shit show. Nothing is gonna be nothing is simple for poor John Wick. And even though I was like, uh, is this gonna be a slog? It wasn't. I was on the I was like, how are you gonna get out of this one, John? The um, the scene like the traffic fight scene in front of the Arc de Triomphe was amazing. The overhead shot in the uh, abandoned. Oh, I want to. I want to spend oh, fifteen thousand minutes on that on that shot. No, let's go. Let's 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 pull. I'm going to pull you back. I'm going to pull you back to the okay, beginning yeah. of the movie. Um. All right. So let's talk. So the beginning of the movie, Winston and uh, Sharon, 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 Sharon uh, are are in, being introduced to the new marquee, um, and uh, played by Bill Skarsgård, right? Yep. Uh-huh um pennywise himself he's got when he's got his hands in his pockets like oh i see it um because he's got the like the wide arm uh in his pockets funny um and they're being they're being punished for basically being john wick's friends yeah um and that's why and that's and that's why clancy brown great small role but great he's really Mm -hmm. really, i really like watching him in this um they're going to demolish the continental um, and they're going to keep demolishing Continentals until they find John Wick. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I love. I love Bill Skarsgård's uh, the Marquis. Like his. Like I'm not here to kill John Wick. I'm here to kill the idea of John Wick, and mm-hmm. that means burning everything he has ever touched. That means I will kill hundreds of thousands of people. I will burn millions of billions of dollars of property damage. I will do whatever I need to do because the idea of John Wick is worse than John Wick actually himself. Because that means that like the it's the idea of rebellion is what it is. Uh, the and Baba like the Yaga, table, the Baba Yaga, yeah, the, the table has rules, and he's the ultimate rule breaker. And when he's alive, other people will break rules as well. Uh, I, I love it. It's perfect. It's a perfect asshole motivation. So Sharon is killed. Yeah, uh, Lance Reddick's character is killed. Uh, a move I didn't see coming. Um, and that death hits a lot harder uh, than it probably would have had Lance Reddick not actually died. Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. I think it's a really effective death uh, for Winston. Um, and uh, I don't really know where I'm going with this. I, I just wanted to met, bring it up because I, I think it's a good moment. I think it's a well, good, no. solid character it's moment good, for all involved. It's a good background motivation thing for Winston. And I think what strength it has in the script is how it's tied into the conversation later about grave markers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't know what to put on there and ended friend. up with friend and, yeah. and John's decision of what he wants on his. Um, I think that's all very good and well baked in. Um, I will bring up my one negative about the, the film, which is that, and part of it is because we watched all four one night, a, 
in a row going for four nights. Four nights, four weeks. And they have got to come up with, should there be another, which is up in the air, um, but should there be another, they have got to come up with some different conversations for John to have with characters he encounters than John killing is who you are. That's you got to recognize that in yourself, John, you can't run from being a killer. Mm -hmm. It's who you are. And I'm like, boy, howdy. Do some people have to tell John something he doesn't know? Uh, Because this is a lot of the conversations John has with characters across all four films. (laughs) Um, And in particular, it bothered me in this one because there's the scene uh, where they're sitting across the table, setting up the rules for the duel. uh, And Bill Skarsgård says it twice in two different forms of words but essentially saying yeah. the same thing and i'm like guys come on like i get the idea and i get that like everybody has this idea about john but holy crap do we need to think of some different dialogue for these these engagements because i'm getting real tired of people saying can't escape what you are john you're a killer that's yeah. who you are john john recognize that you are a killer mr wick like we uh, know like, why them do this uh, for like six hours damn it and he's heard it like i'm, I'm done <laughs> that's fair I, yeah, it didn't, I, it didn't, it didn't I, bother me, but like, but like you mentioning it, like, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's specifically, yeah. it's specifically that moment where Bill Skarsgård basically says the same sentence, just with different words in a different order. Yeah, yeah. Not three minutes apart, and I'm like, whew, we gotta think of some other things to say. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, I, I didn't even notice that. I gotta be yeah. honest. Um, I wanted to rewatch the first three, and I started watching the first one a couple of week, couple of days ago, but I just got so swamped, and I was like, well, I guess I'm not finishing these. Yeah. yeah. Because I what hadn't seen specifically a third one in a while. I wanted to rewatch that one specifically. It's um, just like, I I really enjoy these movies, obviously. Yeah. I really enjoy them. I think a weak point in general is that most of John's conversations with adversaries or otherwise, yeah. most of them boil down to them telling John, you just can't escape being the killer you are. And John just kind of being like, yeah. okay. yeah, uh, and And like that's most of his interactions with the characters, the new characters he encounters throughout the films. And I'm like, that gets a little repetitive, especially if you cram them all next to each other. Uh, That is a minor knock. It's not really what the movie's about. So it does, it's not that, that important, but like if, if there is to be another with Mr. Wick, uh, I, I need different conversation material. The opening the very beginning of the movie when when the Bowery King walks in and he's doing his monologue and he and then he comes in and he lights the flames around John Wick and he time to get to work John with the punches so cool yeah so cool John says yeah forty eight times in this movie and there was a gentleman behind us where every time John said yeah he laughed and I don't and I and I'm just like you just think Keanu Reeves saying yeah is funny I guess that guy talked yeah. a lot he's bothering me yeah he oh my god me too uh, yo man. This movie opens up. We're like, hey, remember that weird elder part of three? We're just gonna kill that guy. <laughs> we're gonna kill the, the new guy. <laughs> a different elder too. They're like, yeah, my my predecessor. All right. Yeah, I like it. Like, I like that John's just like, yeah, no, I just gotta, y'all gotta go. I, I, I so. to me, to me, that was very much a like, yeah, we don't really know what we were doing with the elder thing either. Uh, so we're gonna just kill it. I like, uh, uh, yeah, because I like I remember that being, and it was still when I rewatched it. Like, that's one of my big problems with three. Is I'm like, I just don't really get what this elder shit is for i understand like the the 
I like the world building of it. I'm like, oh, this is the this is the this is where the assassins like guild began. But they don't give us enough information. You just have to assume a lot. To be honest with you, it bothered me that we don't ever see the high table in full. Yeah. But we've seen the elders that are above it. Yeah. And I'm like, that felt weird I, and wrong. Yeah. I still think that the high table, like the final movie, is going to be like John killing everyone in the high table, and they're all like really famous people. <laughs> Like, I think that's why we haven't seen any of them yet, because it's going to be, like, one big, like, Scott Pilgrim movie. That'd be pretty great. Yeah. But um, I think in some ways they also killed the idea of the high table with this one, because they pointed out that, like, John, you killed them. They're just going to, they're filled the seats before you can get to all of them. It's true. Because they're never, they're is, never all together. This the movie, nemesis system. Yeah, yeah. This movie ends, like, obviously we're going to talk about the end later, but, like, I really like the way this movie is, like, oh, this movie does not end the way I thought it was going to. Yeah, yeah. Not even with just him dying, but it's, like, the way he gets out, basically. Um, right. But that's three hours from now. Um, man, you pointed the Ben. Oh. Ben, you wanted to say something. You've been trying oh. to say something for like five minutes. Uh, I forgot. Okay, sorry. Okay. Um, so like the first, uh, like the first half of this movie, I'll, I know it's it's like two hours forty something. I'm just gonna call it three hours to make it to make it even. Like the first half of this movie, it's like, damn, this is a good John Wick movie. Like if I had to rate the first half of the movie, it'd be like an eight, eight point five. Like, damn, this is another good John Wick movie. The second half of this movie, y'all, is in, it's one of the most insane action movies ever made. Right. It is insane action scene to insane action scene to a finale that's like personal uh, uh, with two friends fighting, which has yeah. a great like the, the 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 last half of this movie, like from like the um uh the the the, the drag the the Tokyo Drift murder people just driving around cars to the overhead shot to the final duel. I'm like, there's so much action in this movie. And again, on like three, we're like, I don't feel overwhelmed by any of it. Like, like the movie's long enough where we have a lot of action. Then we have a lot of story because we have room for it. Um, there was an interesting thing that happened in this one that didn't happen in three, as I recall, where so let's take the Scott Atkins fight scene, which as it was going and as, as it was wrapping up, I was like, I don't want this to end. Yeah, I'd like to watch more of this. The good. This is a good side quest. Yeah. Because I, I like I like that. I love that scene, scene at, at his table. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, that's so good! When he's at the table, he reveals the five aces. Yeah, one one <laughs> who thinks he can buy his way out, one who thinks he can serve his way out, one thing who thinks he can kill his way out. I thought yeah. that was really fun. Um, I really enjoyed that. I will admit that I'm very biased positively towards this film because the entire second half takes place in Paris, and I was like, I was there. I was <laughs> he there. kept he kept looking like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Louvre is in the wrong place on that map. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, find... so, yeah, so uh, the, the the first half of this movie, a lot of it takes place like in Japan and Osaka. Um, uh, Hiroyuki Sonata mm -hmm. is like is the is the manager of 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 the Japanese uh, continental, which is awesome. Love it. I uh, I love I love not just going to see another continental because we saw that in two. Are you here to steal? Are you here to kill the Pope? Um, and Hiroyuki Sonata being the continental. And like being really good friends with John, uh, being the manager of the Continental is such a good moment. And we get so much good character work, honestly, even before the action starts, because was there as he's talking to his uh, concierge and, the, and the, the, the subtle and not the subtle nods, but like we know it's his daughter, um, but maybe not everybody. Maybe like the high table doesn't know it's his daughter. Um, and, and we 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 learn all that just in dialogue as they're just talking about going to lunch. Um, and it, it's really good it's really yeah. well acted it's really well written it's a really solid scene and character interaction yeah um his daughter um uh she is a like she's like a famous like uh musician mm -hmm. um and she she like because i just watched an interview there's like she she's starting to branch out into acting and um 
uh, Keanu and Chad were watching one of her music videos. Mm. And in her music videos, she's very athletic and is like, she does a lot of stunts in her music videos. So they were like, hey, we think you'd be good for this part. Do you want to audition for it? And she freaked the F out. She's like, absolutely. I've been trying to be an actor. Uh, and I think she's great. Uh, uh, Akira is, is, is the character's name. Um, but yeah, I, I love I love John Wick's world building. I love that just like half the world is assassins. I think it's yeah. so funny. I love seeing like the cool secretary ladies doing all the things with their tattoos. I just like anytime you want to world build more, I'm all about it. One of the things I, and I was thinking about this while I was watching Parabellum as well. One of the things that I love about the John Wick movies, especially with their world building, they tell you enough. They don't show you everything. There's still a little bit of mystery, but that little bit of mystery doesn't take you out of the moment. Doesn't take you like I, for some reason, I just love it. How, um, how John Wick is kind of like Kingsman in a way where it's, it's Kingsman without the high quality, without like the high spy stuff. Like they have their modern suits, but they're bulletproof. Like, I can't tell you how many times John is holding up his suit jacket because it's all it's a bulletproof. I love suit. it. Not just him, but all of the Marquis men. It is so oh, funny. Yeah. Everyone, everyone else has <laughs> bulletproof suits. Um, but there's all this world building, like uh, like there's this world building, and like when Clancy Brown showed up as the Harbinger, and you get the Adjudicator in Parabellum. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like there's all these things, and they reference the table. I'm like, a tracker. This is cool. Yeah, the tracker. It's the like tracker. This like this all this is super cool. Oh, I liked I, him by the way, Mister yeah, Nobody. Oh, Mister Nobody loved him. Yeah, yeah. I just love how they how they mention the table, but you don't see the table and you don't know how powerful these people are. We get a bit of it in three with the elder, but at the same time, I kind of agree with Sparks as how the elder is like he was a big thing in three, and then in then four he just dies almost immediately. Yeah, but yeah, because it like, doesn't work in just, three. Even yeah. just confined in three, like to me it's a lot of effort for something that ends up being meaningless because John basically gets to, so again, like a week, a weak script point, but John gets to Winston and Winston basically says, John, do you want to die a man serving them? And it's like, John should have already known that answer. Like that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and to me, to me, the most egregious character crime that I don't think works is that John allows his ring to be given up with mm. no intention of getting it back in that moment. Uh, and I'm like, that just doesn't feel like John Wick to me. Like, I think that whole idea just didn't work. Uh, this idea of him going to the elders and giving up his finger and his ring, uh, to me, ends up being kind of meaningless and moot. Which is, again, um, what nice why the, the beginning of this movie. The beginning of this movie just says, like, like yeah, for my ring. that didn't work. And he's like, I'm never getting that ring. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mag is so right about the sumo wrestlers, the two fighters. Uh, Dude, they were kicking ass, just punching and slapping dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh Loved it. I, I really, I really like seeing Winston, the Bowery King, and John together. I think they have a fun dynamic that I just didn't expect. Yeah. Uh, Bower- the Bowery King is now like the Bowery King of like the world. He's going to every. every He's branching store. out. He's Branch like, out. hey, I, I see what you guys, ass- what you assassin guys are doing, and we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna kind of like, I'm gonna follow you guys. Eyes and ears all over the world. Love it. Uh, I, uh, I'm so happy. I know they talked about how the Bowery King was meant to be just a one-time thing and they ended up liking Lawrence Fishburne so much they kept him and I'm so happy with that decision uh, because he's very fun in this movie um, because like all the Bowery King really does is present him with suits and I found both times to be massively interesting hey he gets him he gets him a boat once. Like, remember the still a 42 long John yeah, <laughs> yeah and, just, uh, oh yeah Lawrence Fishburne is always just like 
like kind of hamming it up like again my favorite line is when he's like someone please get this man a gun like he's just always theatrical and everything he does and it's just like yeah it's really fun like he's something yeah. spins for no reason i'm like yeah all right I'm and like it's fun, it's fun because we'll, it's nice when we get into like the boat when john and 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 winston are talking about the 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 funeral arrangements and the the tombstone dialogue and then the bowery king is just i want a king on mine <laughs> you know like he's he creates a really fun dynamic that i really appreciate yeah and you brought up the uh, earlier but um what he wants on in his tombstone john says loving husband and then when you see it later helen's was loving wife and i'm like oh, yeah this movie does have emotion oh shit mm-hmm. um so donnie yen is a new character in this movie kane oh love it god i love him. and i i'm at man I could have followed. He could have been the main character of this movie, and I would have been interested too. Um, He's in so much more of the movie than I thought. I didn't realize he was like the second guy almost. I like that what they did was they just basically made John Wick's villain in this movie John Wick. Yeah, um, and I think that worked really well. Um, it we didn't we didn't get any like false starts. No, this was they're both people who got out, uh, who are being who were who the cane was brought back in. Uh, and given a name and they're both doing this job and they're friends and they respect each other, but they're also incredibly highly skilled assassins who will, right. who will defend themselves and try to kill each other. Yeah. I love, um, it happens with multiple characters. It happens with both Kane and Mr. Nobody um, where they will be fighting each other and then a third party will come involved and then like, all right, let's team up before we fight <laughs> each other. <laughs> these guys ain't shit. They're yeah, not part yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah, Let's take yeah. out these guys before we get back to the this real This is fight. about us. Yeah. yeah. And that's, like, and that's I, one of the reasons Scott Adkins fight is so fun because the three of them are at the table and they're like, all right, well, but F this guy. Though. Yeah. They're <laughs> yeah. all in agreement on that. Because uh, they're, they're all just sitting there. Like, I, I love, I love that Donnie Yen knew what his cards were. Yeah. Even though he was blind. I thought that was so fun. Um, and he's got uh, uh, that card table scene, like that whole Scott, A- Scott Atkins is wonderful in this movie. He's so much fun. Um, and I love watching him do martial arts in that, in that fat suit he's in. Um, and, and, uh, all the, the whole action sequence uh, that follows is great, but there's so much good tension. You know, I talked a little bit about like screen has such good tension and there's some really good tension in the, in the, the card scene when they're, when, when he's, when he's got all the cards and he's dealing them out. And they're they're playing this game, uh, and they all kind of like Donnie Yen, the tracker, and um, and John John Wick are are like looking at are kind of like on agreement at that point. Like, oh, this guy's gotta die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mag brings up a great uh, reference. Kane, um, clever with his weapon and the doorbell sensor. Oh. I did love the doorbell sensors in Osaka. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. Absolutely. Yeah, that I was. I thought cool. they were gonna be motion sensors, but like the door. Yeah, they. Uh... Oh, they are motion sensors, but the doorbell. Uh, yeah. I like yeah, um, that we're I like that we see him kind of you know kind of not taking this battle seriously. We haven't seen him fight yet and he's not really taking what's happening with the Marquis men seriously in, in the Continental until they they kind of like force his hand and then he just wastes them. Yeah. Not the Marquis people, the the Hiroyuki's people. Uh, there's a great extended nunchuck scene and I'm like I've never nunchucks are so what a silly weapon. But like <laughs> wow how they really are effective. Boy, howdy! Just two pieces of wood stuck together. They will knock some people out. Yeah, uh, love it. And that's why I think this film does really well. That the second film, that the last film didn't. You know, we talked about in the review that I recall that one of the issues that I had with this, with the second, with the, with the third film. Sorry, second film's perfect. Um, the the third film when um, you know, it's like okay, okay, 
dog goes in for the nuts, shooting the chest, shooting the shooting the face. Okay, dog goes in for the nuts, shooting the chest, shooting the face. Like we're just doing that over and over again. We're not really getting a lot of variety. Whereas the beginning of that very movie, there was the knife fight and the horse fight and the motorcycle fight and like so much cool, so much cool shit. Like that beginning beginning of the movie yeah. rules. Um, and 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 what we get more in this one is different weapons and different fighting styles. We get some martial arts. We get some nunchuck things and the the action scenes kind of are are more varied in their in, in their length the, the they are still lengthy but they're more varied in it and i thought that was really interesting i was that kind of brings me to a point that i wanted to make which was that all over this fa- this franchise this is not exclusive to this film but chad stahelski is an incredible fight uh, f- uh filmmaker like just oh. just pointing a camera and letting and letting people do choreography and it rules um and and i like i was watching not a knock on star trek picard but because it's a 70 year old fighting a 50 year old um yeah. so they're gonna have some some edit points but like the difference between a lot of blockbuster action scenes where you're cutting around a lot of different movements versus just kind of letting just kind of letting your actors learn the choreography and trust that they'll do it and it will look good and pointing the camera at them and i think that's what chad stahelski brings to just action filmmaking in general and i think it's something a lot of people can learn from yeah sure and again it helps that he started as a stuntman yeah like it worked in the industry for a long time before directing john wick uh, and again, like John Wick uh, is a so much bigger success than anyone could have imagined. And I'm so glad we're here now because like all of these movies could be considered like some of the greatest action movies ever made. But man, the stuff they do in John Wick 4, like it's just like specifically like the uh, well, I, I know, don't remember the name of the place, the circle, the circle, the Arc de Triumph, Ar- Arc de Triumph, 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 Arc de Triumph, that scene. And then the next scene with with the overhead dragon fire scene, like those Ooh. are some of the most inventive, insane brutal scenes i've ever seen in an action movie and it's just like again this is a movie where from start to finish it's incredible varied action that and the fight the assassins all the way up the 222 steps of montmart up to the soccer i hope that stunt man who had to fall down all those stairs got like a little i want to i want to illuminate for you guys real quickly we walked up to the bottom of those steps megan looked at them and went hell no and we got in the funiculi <laughs> that took us all the way up to the top without us going up the steps and as we were going in that funiculi megan pointed out to me on the middle landing which is the first place where john gets knocked down to before he gets kicked down the rest of the way all the way to the bottom uh on the middle landing there was just a dude like <sighs> <laughs> there's a cafe there for people to just kind of stop and give up and maybe reconsider their choices love it um like it it was awesome to see them take that and turn it into this this action piece yeah oh yeah when uh because brian you brought up the overhead fight scene and i know ben brought it up earlier the overhead fight scene is is the most incredible thing i've seen in the franchise it is. period it, yeah. um what because it happens twice and i swear to god i uh, expletived um <laughs> i hesitate to say exactly what the the orgasmic feeling i felt yeah. but like the first time it, it did the pan up to the to the yeah. to the ceiling and then we see like the the dragon fire breath shooting over and i'm like oh shit this is incredible and when it stopped real quickly ben real, i'm almost done when it stopped i was really i was really sad i was like oh i i want to see that again and then it did it again <laughs> Stahelski has pointed to the video game Hong Kong Massacre as his main inspiration for this sequence. Yeah, that's cool. 
Which if I you look at gameplay, you're like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> then I will say that's an amazing scene, possibly my favorite scene in the movie. I did get a little dizzy from it though. I'm not gonna Interesting. lie. Interesting. Okay. Cause normally I don't get dizzy when I'm watching stuff like that on a screen, but when it went back to like regular I don't want to like not from a top-down perspective, but a regular perspective, or I don't even know what regular perspective in the film is, but you know, the one we normally get. Um it felt a little disorienting. I felt a little, I don't know if that, if it was because, cause I was sitting a little bit closer in my movie theater. I wasn't further back than I normally am. That was pop possibly why I felt dizzy, but I didn't feel motion sickness. I just got a little, like a little bit of vertigo. I'm like, Oh, is the room? You spinning? got too okay, sick. No, Cause the scene was just so cool. You couldn't handle it. Yeah. I, maybe. I just, it was I could, a great I, scene though. I could gush about that scene like all, all night. And I'm going to, but like yeah. um the, 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 when it when and like the, I love the choice of the dragon's breath being the bullets for that scene because it gives it gives such a visually interesting look rather than just bullets because he's shooting fire and you see the fire come out of the gun and then people get lit on fire multiple people get lit on fire in a single take and you're just like holy shit and there's there's no hidden stitches that I can see I'm sure there maybe is but there's no hidden stitches that I can see which makes it feel so much more impressive because we're just following a single take of multiple people being lit on fire. Not yeah, uh, and you are right. Like it is, it is so impressive. Uh, I was hooting and hollering this entire movie. Yeah, uh, it was, it was such a great theater experience. But um, yeah, the the second time they do it, I'd expect them to come back for seconds. Yeah. But we start rising again. I'm like, no way, Stahelski, you mad dog? Uh, in it, again, like yeah, there are multiple games that use that that uh, overhead aesthetic, but like I've never, you rarely see it happens every once in a while in a movie. But like this was just so effective. I told I told so Ryan good. the most recent time we saw like an over a long overhead take like this was Malignant yeah. when uh, James Wan oh, specifically right. had them build a recreated set of a house they yeah. were already filming in just for this shot. <laughs> um, Gabriel Malignant, but I love I love it. It looks it looks incredible. Yeah. Um, yep. Bill Skarsgård's, I think, the best villain we've had. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, I almost, I was kind of hoping that he wasn't going to die. Like, I think he, he, him dying is great. Uh, uh, I was kind it's of such a good him. moment when he was oh, like, oh. you fool. Yeah. And the second, I, the second I saw uh, what happened, I'm Consequences. Like, oh. Yeah. Um, because I uh, assumed, because like they announced like four and five, right? So I'm like, okay, he will be an overarching villain for the fi- finality of John Wick. But like no, they 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 took the dude out in such an incredible, clever way. Uh, yeah, consequences. Loved it. Felt felt so good seeing seeing that dude die. So I will no. say just because Ryan, just real quick, just because Ryan just brought up that they've announced four and five. So Lionsgate cleared and said that there can be a four and five John Wick. Stahelski oh. so and Keanu Reeves have recently responded in the press for this film and okay. said that they're both kind of exhausted and they're not guaranteeing a fifth. So some this may be the end of John Wick. Uh, if it um, is, that's great. Reeves has already said that to him, at least what he's saying publicly right now, is that he is dead. Uh, so Honestly, consider for now that this is the end of John Wick. If it is, this is man, talk about way of going out. Like incredible. Like which it, we'll talk, we'll talk about at the very end. I'll touch yeah. on like why I think that's for the best, but but just wanted to make that note real quick. I mean, if they want to make a fifth film, they don't have to make it about John Wick. They can make it about um, we know that, daughter going we know revenge. That, we know that the ballerina spinoff is coming. Well, not just about, about Anna Armas. 
Well, not the ballerina spinoff. I'm talking because at the end. No, I know what you were talking about. I was just saying that you, because you said you you watched spinoff, and I was just I was just saying that there is a spinoff coming. Right. Um, so the 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 John Wick franchise isn't dead. It's just John Wick is possibly dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, frack. I was gonna say something. You were gonna say about Kane. We could from the post credit scene. We could follow a Akira. movie about them. Akira. There's a post credit scene. Oh, yes, Ben. Ben, uh, you should know by now. Just, it's, it's Hollywood movies. No, to be fair, to I, be fair, this is the only John Wick film with a post credits. I look, I Google every single time I go. I had to go to the restroom, okay? I get it. Then go back. Uh, ben, real quick. It's not, it's not, it's, it's just Kane about to go to his daughter for the first time and take her some flowers. And then coming towards him in the crowd is Hiroyuki's daughter, Akira. Okay. okay. With a blade. Yeah. Okay. And then it cuts to black. So we don't see what happens. Okay. Paying off the uh, I'll I'll be waiting for you or right, right. something he says to her yep. when he All kills. Right. right. But I do team. remember what I was going to say. I was going to say about Bill Skarsgård. Um, I wanted him to die so bad. Oh, yeah. I was like, when he, I mean, when he did, when he does die, I'm like, yeah, F you. You deserve this. Because just the whole movie, he's definitely the type of guy who uses, he's a pompous prick. But he's the pompous prick who knows how to use his power and he uses it well. Yeah. Um, and but he's also I he's not afraid to get his hands dirty, but he doesn't want to get his hands dirty, such as like he doesn't yeah. how um example of this when he stabs the tra- the the tracker in the hand and gives him a choice. So like you either pull the knife out or remove your hand from it. There's here's a choice for you. And when he You can pull the up, knife out or pull your hand away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it, whichever one you pick tells me what kind of person you are. And yeah, just everything about him. It's like, I hate this guy. And then when he, cho- when he chooses Kane to be his person who fights for him, it's like, oh, F. it's like, screw you. Yeah, just, I love. Just, just uh, screw I... this guy. And when he takes like, oh, I want the last shot. I'm going to, I'm going to kill him. And then, mm-hmm. and then you. And then, like, he never shoots. He's like, consequences. Pew. Yeah. The, the second I saw that, that, uh, Kane didn't have a bullet wound. I'm like, nice. Nah, this, this is good. This is good. Uh, I one of my favorite moments with with the with the uh, the, mar- the marquee is when um uh uh it's with Winston and Winston's talking to him like, hey, oh, he's giving him the dual notice, right? And he's like, uh, if you're the, the man in the Louvre, in the Louvre, I, fuck, yeah. so good. <laughs> uh, and he's like, yo, you if you're the man, and this is when it, when the marquee's like staring at like at like the the map, like you know, away from Winston, and like if you're the man who killed John Wick the power and like the, the legacy you would you would wield and he gives like the smallest like wry little so smile it's, so it's not a map it is a painting and it is painting. a painting about a, oh, that's a right. point in paris's history where he's specific winston is specifically goading him in relation to the paintings he's looking at because he's that's saying right. the marquees of history are often forgotten that's true um but the man who kills john wick and then uh, he gives a little smile which, and like mm, which yes, also yes. plays really well into clancy brown's line later which i love which is like a man should never play his ambition over his worth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I love because, like, that's exactly what he's doing. Like, he's putting the the value of himself to the high table way below what his ambition is now. There's the incredible warriors reference with with the French radio dispatcher talking to basically like, "Hey, the warriors are on the street, gang, go kill them." Yeah. Uh, but this it. time it's a uh, Jean Wick. So good. Um, the scene in the Louvre. Uh, pays off uh, what what uh, Winston was telling Sharon about the the 
guy who faced death. And I don't remember the story, but was yes. it, it, it is what it is. Such is such life. life. Such is life. Um, I I really like when when he's like, you know, what happens to the to the the second in a duel. Such is life. And I love and I love that Winston is like fully committed into it. Like when we get to the end in front of Soccer Cure, which was a genius place to set up the end of this, by the way. Soccer Cure is beautiful. It is a great backdrop for this and the way that they have this view over Paris. Um, so when Winston walks up to him and he says, isn't that a beautiful sunset? And they both get to just like look at it for a moment. And I have to tell you, it definitely was a goddamn beautiful sunset because I've been up there and it's great. Um, so, so that was that was so like... Yes, Winston is like at peace with how this turns out. I love it. Uh, Ben's right, sunrise, not sunset. Yeah. Um, did you did you guys see this? Was something I I I I didn't quite catch, and maybe there's nothing to catch. But the tracker has a list of money. Yeah. Of like prices. Do we know? Is he trying to save up or something? Was he? He's marking. He's marking where John's at. And like what he's waiting for. Oh, I Once see. Okay. It high. looks like it looked like the other page. It looked like a giant house. Yeah. Like I think he might be trying to save like fifty million dollars to buy like a mansion for his dog, him and his dog. I think that's I what he, like the thing was. So like, yeah, he's tracking the amount that John. Well, they want. also they also say like at some point that he wants to buy his way out. Yes. Oh, so that's part it, of it yeah. is him buying his way out yeah. of it, yeah. and then so, having enough to do stuff after that. Yeah. All all the uh, new characters are great, and that's why he's like measuring and saying like John not worth enough not, yet not yet because he has to buy his way out and still afford a life of luxury when he uh so there's a moment where where the the marquis like number one henchman is about to kill the dog and, he's, and john has a moment like he i can shoot the dude or i can shoot the guy or i can shoot the other guy and he and he saves the dog and i i love the moment of like of just of the guy like oh okay respect okay yeah, yeah. You saved my dog. And he yeah. sa- and saves John's life. And then before. John jumps off a three-story building. <laughs> and dead the van. Oh, my God. <laughs> that man, he should be dead. <laughs> yeah, I, love Kane, I love Kane coming to get him. I'm jumping a- around, but, like, Kane coming to help him up. It's like, I need you to get to the top of those stairs, John. Oh, my God. He just stands up. <sighs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Like I love them fighting together. Dude. What? He's a Green Lantern on limited willpower. Yeah, it's like the the the, st- the stairs fight is incredible every single time they do it. But when it's Kane and John together fighting on the stairs is is Chef's kiss. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're basically Cinema. doing like Arkham Knight combo moves. Like when you press X and Y to do a Nightwing t- 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 team up move, uh, like he's throwing things into him. Like it's yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I one think of, uh, Donnie was an incredible the one character favorite, in this. One of my favorite lines is when uh, at the card table when they're trying to go for the big guy and Donnie and throws a flashbang. He says, lights out assholes. And they, he gets, they all get flashbanged and he's just like, ah, yeah. He's yeah. having being an incredible martial artist is one thing, but like having to pretend to be blind and also Second be time he's done this. Yeah. Yeah. Like just what a, what a tremendous, what a tremendous act uh, performer in every capacity. Love yeah. yeah. Really, I, really good. Really good. I mean, Donnie Yen was one of the highlights of like Rogue One, also, where he was also mm-hmm. a blind martial artist. Um, yeah, shit. yeah I, I knew he probably he did, probably didn't catch that. I did. Um, but I think he, I think uh, Donnie Yen is. I think what what the the scene that Ben uh, ex- exemplifies a good um, way to just say the humor in this movie is movie very funny. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 
Uh, and I, I appreciated the the levity and I think the the humor in this one works uh, in ways that uh, that it hasn't before. Not to say that there isn't humor in the movies. It's just I think the more more of the humor in this movie landed for me than it has before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I just thought, I really like this one. I, I also, I also, oh, oh, I, also I, I, I also, I also, I also love the the aesthetics of this movie. Yeah. Oh, I thank love, you. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. how this movie looks. I love how. I love the the gravitas of the just like or the the pomp and circumstance of everything. Like you see the Marquis, he's always dressed in the nines. He always looks good. He's always in the dirt in this grand place. But also I really love those really thick metal cards that they have when everything was all set up for the duel or to, to choose the rules of the duel. Yeah. And how they, they pick the like if they disagree on rules, whoever has the, the higher number card, that's the thing. Um it's just for some reason, just like the rules and regulations that the high table has when dealing with business, for some reason, it just fascinates me so much in of these movies. And it's just like, oh, you have to do this. Like, in order for John to be back with the Roma Rosca, he has to kill a random dude. And, and the rituals they do, like the, the crest, like branding themselves, or even when he gets his ticket torn in, in Parabellum. I know I'm referencing Parabellum Lies just because I watched just watched it. I'm sorry. And like, it's this whole this whole series of things that they have to do to do the thing. And I just find it fascinating and I really like it. But yeah, the yeah. sex of this movie, this movie looks great. Even the, the duel where they're sitting there and the guns, I like the dueling pistols. I think they're really cool. Uh, yeah. That, that duel, the duel works because it's incredibly emotional. We, we now kind of feel for both John and Don and uh, Kane. We don't want either of them to lose. You want them to find a way to, make it so that they both win because you don't want Kane to lose his daughter. Uh, Forrest saw this with us and pointed out that they very much have a good, the bad and the ugly situation going on with the tracker and Kane and, and John. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like it. Uh, I was going to say that I, I value a lot the inclusion. I think in this film at the, the climax of these four films, you've got John finally, having to wrestle with the weight of what his actions have cost others. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that comes across with Koji and his daughter and with um, Winston and Cheryl. Consequences. Uh, and John, John, I think has gotten away with like brushing aside, like it, his path being the most important and, and what losses have occurred have not been losses that are that substantial, but now like having to reckon with like my actions have cost other people that I would say I care about. Uh, the music and something that, I haven't really, not that the music has ever been bad, but like not something that I really paid attention to besides it's got a good score. This movie specifically uses a lot more pop music. I agree. Um, uh, specifically, it uses the French electronic band Justice's song uh, just uh, during the, the stairway fight. That's like a very famous like electronic song from the early 2000s. Uh, uh, I really like. Um, there's also um, Nowhere to Run, which is from, from the Warriors and stuff. Like that was great. Um, and like, there's just more like, like crunchy techno in this, like specifically during the Osaka fight, there's some like really good techno that like it's not the same type they use in the other movies. It's a more robust. Score. Yeah, it's a Roma robust score. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I I noticed the music more in this one, which I just really same. appreciate. Same. Uh, I want to highlight a moment I thought was really funny, real quickly when um they're getting ready for the duel and they're taking off their coat and their vest and all the bullets are fall- <laughs> are clinking down on the floor. So good. That's that's really funny. Yeah, that was great. Um. Yeah, I think the film's just very well put together overall 
super well crafted. All the John Wick films are aesthetically pleasing and enjoyable to watch oh, yeah. and look at. Um, but I think this one uh, capitalizes on very strong performers giving great characters. Uh, I think this has the most of them and and benefits a lot from it. Yeah. Should I rate? Oh, man. Uh, I'll go weird. first on my rating. If that's go for okay. it. Go for it. Go for nine. Please. Solid nine. Amazing. A great action movie. You don't feel the length. Um, I'm probably on a second watch. I may have a few more nitpicks here and there. But other than that, because I do agree with Sparks, they do Ooh. talk about how John's a killer and you have to, he can't run away from being a killer. That's a, They say that a lot. Um, but other than that, this is a solid, this is an amazing action film. Um, it's a fun time. If you love action movies, this is a, a really solid and a really great just stamp on John Wick. So solid nine. I will give it a 9.5. Love it. Love it. Love it. It might... It's it's again. I just watched it yesterday, but like, I like I definitely like it more than one and three. Uh, two mm-hmm. is like the gold standard, but like this movie's doing it's doing so much more in a variety of ways. Like, with enough time, I think this might be my favorite one and the best one. I think, but you know, time time. I need more time. I say ten. Yeah. 10? Hell yeah. It's a ten. All right. And you even had a, you even had a negative you wanted to bring up. Interesting. Huh? You, you even said you even specifically said a negative in the beginning. Uh, yeah, you know, but I mean, like, um, I think that's that is, I think that is a minor problem in this film and a major problem of the franchise. Like when you watch them all closer together, it really stands out. I think when you watch them further apart from each other, it's much less problematic. And I think in this movie, only once would it have bothered me because I watched all three the days beforehand. I was like, yo, like what? This is a lot of this kind of, but like as a singular film, yeah. I don't think it's as big of a problem. Okay, I'm going to roll a d20 to know what my score is. That's Did not, you hear? Ben, Brandon has given it a 20. A 20, friends. No, oh, this, is, this is a six. No, it's a nine. <laughs> it's a nine. I would have been, rank I would have laughed if it was Rank them. Two, four, one, three. If if you gun to my head right now, four, two, one, three. Yeah, gun to my head. Yeah, I think right now I'm pretty confident it's a four, two, one, three. It's been a long time since I've seen one and two, but I think I liked one a little bit more. But once again, it's been a long time since I last seen them. I think it. I would go. Um. I, four is up there. Four is either number one or number two. Three is on the bottom. So one and two would be fighting for second and third. Yeah. All right. All right. Shall we go into our book club? Um, Sparks, take it away. Yeah, this is Save Yourself, created by Bones Leopard, written by Bones Leopard, and art by Kelly and Nicole Matthews. And it takes the magical girl stuff and it plays a little twist on it. And I think it's got some some pretty colorful, fun art. And I think it's a it's a fun little story. I think it's a neat idea and I enjoy it. When I first saw that it was four issues, I was a little worried that I wasn't gonna have enough to chew on, but I, I didn't find that to be the case. I had a really good time with this. I think this is a fun, very light, like a uh, uh, really uh, like colorful uh, like like a, 
a, not an adventure story, just like superhero story about like, what if the superheroes that you think are good are actually bad. <laughs> it reminded me of like like Invincible in a way, but like a little like Sailor Moon Invincible. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I had a really good time. Like it's it is nice and fluffy. I like all the characters are are like really enjoyable. So real quick, I was nervous up to a point that when I first started the issue that I was like, I heard good things about this. This is seeming a little generic. I'm maybe nervous I didn't make a good pick here. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you get to Thal uh, grabbing a man and absorbing him completely and he disappears uh, and only his clothes remain. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Evil There's the twist. Evil Sailor Moon. Ben? I didn't really like this one that much. Oh, Interesting. Uh, I'm, uh, in be- I'm in between. I'll just say real quickly, Ben. Um, I'm in between Ben and Sparks. I thought this was cute. I really like the artwork. Don't be fair. I really like the artwork. Yeah. Um, I think it's a cute story. I, I personally think it needed one more issue though. Mm. It does feel rushed at the end. Yeah, that's my issue. It's just kind of. I, I think it has a strong start. Um, yeah. where we're being introduced to the world and we're seeing like a lot of these characters, but. By the end, it's just kind of like, and we're done. To be honest with you, like for Gigi and um, Sean, no, um, Mia, Mia, thank you, Mia's uh, relationship to be kind of feeling like it was going to be the center. I don't get as much time with them as I anticipated I would have. Yeah. Um, for them to be like, like feels like the romance of them could have been more central. Um, I even could have used the fifth issue that was pretty much only about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, ben, but you didn't like this. I now to I would say I like the idea. Mm-hmm. I think the idea of it's really good. I agree with you, you Sparks. Like when that one magical girl absorbs the dude right in front of Gigi, I was like, okay, sweet. So they're actually the bad guys. I don't know what it was, but when I was reading this, I just felt the writing was bad. I didn't. I don't know why. Just like when I was reading this book, they're just like they would say one thing in the same bubble, say something complete, something else, and it just felt awkward to me. Um, I do like I do like the art, but I did at points I thought the art was just the characters and everything else was bland. There was nothing. I mean, I get I get the focus was is supposed to be on the characters. I do like um actually that's fair. That's I, fair. The the spaceship specifically isn't very detailed when we when we yeah. see it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do like the designs of the characters. I do like, especially um, G, uh, uh, not Gia, Mimi, uh, M- not Mimi, Mia. There we go. Mia's transformation. I think I like how she's this axolotl dragon. I yeah. like, but we only really get to see her and uh, um, a hologram of one of her sisters, and then one other fight. I will. I I don't know. I feel, and also I do agree that the length. Four issues, cool, short, sweet, let's go. But then we get to the end. I was like, what has happened here? What's going on? Honestly, I don't think this needed five issues. I feel like this needed six. This felt well, I think it would have overstayed its welcome at six. I disagree. I felt like a six issue, like a like an issue in the middle while that while Gigi and Mia are going to do a mission together that explores the relationship. I felt that that pro that would have benefited from it. And also um, a six issue where half of it is this grand climactic battle and the rest of it is them setting the stage for diplomatic relations with the Galactic Federation. It just, while I do like how short it was, it just felt rushed to me. I do think the idea is good, though. I like the idea, but the execution just did not land for me at all. I just, 
Um, I don't have it pulled up on my phone because honestly, when I was done reading it, I had other stuff to take care of. And I was like, cool, I read this and now I'm going to go focus on my other things. And I'll, I'll sell that. I know there's like multiple times when I was reading this, like this just doesn't feel like it's good writing or maybe the art, the writer was rushed. I'm not saying they're a bad writer. Um, whoever, um, but I don't, I'm not saying bones is a bad writer. It's just that this is the one title that I don't know. It just, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. So, uh, I, this also isn't really the type of book for you also, Ben, I don't think. I think this is this is a different demographic than what you would generally read. Uh, this being, you know, a like a queer Sailor Moon indie comp book. Uh, that's not to say you're not you're not you're not uh, right. Uh, there is some. How do, like, he likes like, it. He likes Sailor Moon. Yeah, I that's do. true. You do like Sailor Moon. Uh, but I also, do. I would like. I also think like the, the Sailor Moon dialogue is also really cheesy. And like very like anime and like twee, which is a very like modern. Yeah, word. I would say well, like I, like no 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 offense or in any places, but I yeah. wouldn't say that the writing here is any more off or like you know same of character kind of basis of what you're saying then than the Sonic comics. Yeah, you just have built in IP appreciation yeah, yeah, yeah. that I think makes that maybe, more acceptable. To maybe you. yeah, I don't I don't, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to harp on Ben too much, but I also kind of agree that I just I didn't find the dialogue to be I found the dialogue to actually be kind of cute and charming it's, it's, um, yeah it's like light and breezy yeah. yeah yeah but there were there was just moments in the dialogue if i if i had it pulled up i can show you a thing uh i can sure. give you an example but it, it wasn't throughout the whole book i thought the dialogue was bad it was just like certain parts that just felt awkward to sure. me like i would read one sentence and then the next sentence i would read from in the same bubble just felt like hmm that's weird but i do get to what you guys are saying this i mean I do get what you guys are. I do understand what you guys are saying. It and maybe when I go and when I read other books, I'm like, okay, this is the example I was trying to get at, or okay, I could see where they're coming from. But other than that, it this book just didn't really connect. So, I Sparks I think mentioned um, the relationship uh, being the center. I I like again. I actually really I actually really enjoy how this book starts with where you know the two of them. Oh no! I have to sneeze. Bless, 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 bless you. I'm sorry. The deposit in time. Chance encounter. Love. Um. Yeah, I think that's kind of cute. That kind of cute meet they have. I I think the kiss they 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 first share, and then the two of them being like, I kind of liked it. Yeah, it's cute. Um, I think it's I think that's cute, and, and they're they're really they're really again. I'm going to say cute and charming a lot because I think that's all that's really all this book is. Here's- um Here's something I will say, just like with that panel I pulled up, and then the the panel that's like the one where um, Fall kills the dude, and like you can see at the top that it's got all the different bubbles of what's happening. I will say that the paneling in the art gets more generic as the issues go on. Like it start the first issue starts very strong with a lot of dynamic choices, and it gets pretty like plain yeah in its art style and paneling when we get to like issues three and four. I noticed um, that as well. And and I wish that it had like the the visionary stuff that I feel yeah. like was very strong in the first issue. I mean, more than anything, I just kind of feel like the book just runs out of steam by the end. Um, yeah. But I do think the beginning is strong, and and if it had it had if it hadn't run out of steam, I actually think this could have been really good. I do, yeah, I do agree. Now that like we're talking about it, I, yeah, the last issue uh, isn't as strong, but I really like the first three issues a lot. Like mm-hmm. I I think I think they are fun. I do really like the art quite a bit. Um, I yeah. really like the idea of. The planet Earth worshiping the people that is slowly killing them, 
I think that is a, a fun idea. And like that, having to like having to reveal that to the entire world. And at the end, like some people don't even believe that. Like, you know, like just like, you know, I like I like that. And I like that the trauma of it uh, in relation to the death of her brother, how that makes Gigi feel when she like oh. gets back and she's like, we bought all this merch. He was a fan. And we're going to burn it. And yeah. like how horrible this is. And like his death wasn't this accident that we've been trying to grieve through, but like this yeah. purposeful killing thing. Uh, uh and to be honest, like I, I felt like the weight of that trauma didn't carry into the to the end of the story, but um, mm -hmm. I did like that that whole sequence when they find that out and she goes home and all this stuff. Um, yeah. I really like Sefi's uh, Sef. Uh, oh yeah, Sef's, uh, right man. right hand guy, um, the orange uh, like shark salamander looking yeah, yeah. guy. Um, yeah, I, like I love too. him. I love him. I think he's funny. I think yeah. he's sweet. I think he like. You feel like he would come off like a Gantu from Lilo yeah. and Stitch, but he's but he's much more like kind than that. And I I like um just the level of acknowledging like our our systems don't work as well as we wish they would. Yeah, yeah. I I also really appreciate like um we, we I think what's really interesting is like they recognize these people as villains that they've named um, and they're like oh that's shamashu or whatever i'm making up something uh, but it's like no my real name's jeff or whatever um right. i think that's all clever and funny and uh goes to what what ryan was talking about that i think works but that i think is a cool idea is that, like this idea that the human race has been tricked into thinking that these magical girls are heroes when actually they're villains and um i think that's played off really really nicely in the comic um they also, especially they also in the really they have this really damning line where the sisters are debating it later um, in the second to last issue. And they're saying like, uh, this is the way things have always been. Our parents did it this way and their parents before them. If it was bad, then someone would have stopped us already. Sure. Um, yeah. Which is like exactly what's happening right now. <laughs> like it's that, it's that like deception of how they've committed themselves into the idea of what they do is natural and okay. Mm -hmm. Um just again, highlighting uh, our our captain guy when he sends them back. He's like, uh, "This is probably gonna leave a burn mark on your floor. Um, <laughs> probably can't hear me anymore." Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was um, funny. I, I I think there's some good humor in this book. Honestly, I, I think it's cute yeah, and charming. Was, Take a drink yeah, every time I say that. No, it was it was a it was a a good. I think that's what it's designed summer. to be. I think it's designed yeah. to be like it's it's obviously designed to be queer and and. Uh, identity friendly um and just get some more representation out there in a general sense uh into a comic book um but i think even beyond that like it's it's just meant to you know this is a boom box boom studios book and i think that it's just kind of meant to be a more fun and airy little jaunt than it is meant to be like a big a big big world build lore dump kind of thing um, yeah. i think it's got its good twist and uh it's got solid a solid like core character base at the the center of it that makes it entertaining enough mm -hmm. um i'm not saying like oh it's an incredible book or it's an amazing book or a perfect book but uh, i think it's for going for what it is i think it nails uh most of the style of what it wants to be i agree yeah. i'm gonna roll a d20 to say how what i think about it Kidding. i'm done with that joke all right that'll do it save that joke for next week brandon oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. So is that do it? Sparks, anything else? No. All right. Uh, ben, it's your book club next week. Do you know what it is? I do, actually. Ooh. Surprise, surprise. I actually know what I want, what book club. So 
next week we're reviewing Dungeons and Dragons Arm and Thieves, I figure we go ahead and read Rise of the Dungeon Master, Gary Gygax and the Creation of D&D, written and illustrated by David Kushner and Corin Shadney. Lovely. This is, an auto, this is an autobiographical book? It's an autobiographical comic book. The Rise, or, or the Rise and what? Rise of the Dungeon Master. And then what? Uh, Gary Gygax and the creation of D and D. Gary Gygax. Okay. Well, I was hoping for a little bit more adventure, but whatever. I'm kidding. Um, all right, thank you, Ben. So that'll do it, guys. As Ben said, next week we're going to be talking about Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves, uh, the hotly anticipated Paramount movie. Ooh, Ooh. my loins are already burning. I hope. Um, I mean, Chris Pine's right. in the movie, so. Oh, my loins. <laughs> God damn it. It's late. All right, guys. So that'll do it. I rolled a two. Um, There you go. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for everything. You guys guys are cool. All right, you guys can check out all sorts of other things uh, on this channel. If you like this video and subscribe to this channel, real quickly, our audio show that you cannot find on this channel, uh, but you can find and subscribe to is uh, Conversation. uh, That is, I think, the only show left that is purely audio. and the uh, new episodes, as I mentioned up top, April 19th. Uh, can't wait for you to hear it. Um, check out other things on YouTube if you'd like, uh, such as our Fake Nerds Watch series. On uh, uh, Currently doing Star Trek Picard and The Mandalorian. Mandalorian, we have bunched up into specific uh, into chunks of episodes, whereas um, Star Trek Picard I'm doing every week. And it's so much fun. It's such a good season. Um, good night, Mag, and good night, Grayson. Thank you so much for being in the good chat. Night, we love you guys. Good night, guys. Uh, thank, uh, check out Basement Arcade, where you can check out uh, uh, some video game stuffs. Basement Arcade Pause Menu, uh, video game uh, discussion show, um, Animation Station, and Fakenard Book Club. You can also find all those on this channel at Fakenard Podcast on the on YouTube's like this video subscribe to this channel that's what i've been trying to say um check out our patreon and our t public if you'd like to support us financially we greatly appreciate that uh you can find those links below as well as on our website at fichtnerpodcast.com which is also linked in our in our description below um find all sorts of things on fichtnerpodcast.com including the links to every single show and all my writings and d and dark now that's up there um yeah Oh, and my out. personal diary? Just kidding. That's not for you. <laughs> I was if I clicked on that and you just had a diary up there, I'd be like, what the hell? It's like um, dear diary today. Um <laughs> sorry, that reminded me of a funny of a funny video I watched earlier. Um Thank you, to, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show. Thank you to everyone who watches the replay. We greatly appreciate all your support. We love uh, all of our listeners and watchers and people. And as Grayson mentioned up top, our subscriber count is getting much higher on YouTube. And uh, that is that is, that is is cool. Yay. It's 270 now, I believe. Yeah, that's what Grayson said earlier when he first hopped in. Yeah. Um, thank you to Jeremy Vellucci. Jeremy Vellucci is a wonderful collaborative. Uh, he's a wonderful friend. We love him dearly. You can check him out soon on The Real Score, our newest podcast coming soon. Um, you can find him on Instagram at Jeremy Vellucci underscore wreck of time. I plug his podcast every week, but he hasn't updated his podcast in quite some time. But 
go ahead and check it out anyway. It's still very funny. If you haven't already, this is your chance to go do so. Suburban Proctologist. Just look it up. Honestly, very little, very few things. You, know, you might find some porn. I don't know. Um, so there you go. Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Uh, thank you to Mike Matola. Mike Matola, wonderful collaborator and friend of ours. We love him dearly. He designed a couple of our logos. And of course, my new, as I mentioned up top, our new con- my new conversation logo for season two. Uh, you can check him out on Instagram and TikTok on at Mike Matola. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast. Uh, FicknerGuys at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, FicknerGuys at gmail.com. I got twisted up for a second. Um, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find my writings at CBR.com, KaijuRamenMedia.com, and AtomicGeekdom.com. Ben. You can find me on the internet uh, at BenMagna27, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, which is essentially me taking the biggest sigh of the relief that the love of my life said yes to marry me and mentally preparing myself to dive into the hellscape that is planning a wedding. Uh, yes, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, BenMagna27 everywhere. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com. And as Brian mentioned earlier, I play Mary Frankenstein in Dean Dark, which is uh, linked down below and on the FNP website. Ryan, you could find me running to the bathroom because I've been having to go for the last hour at DJ Tony Snark 616. Goodbye. <laughs> Sparks. Uh, you can find me working on drafting my pitch for a Predator versus Pirates comic at Sparks Witty on Instagram, Twitter, SPARKZ Witty. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. Until next time, we see us, guys. Stay fake nerds.